0: RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our Patreon supporter, Jim Devico. We thank him and all our other patrons for their monthly support. message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel.
1: Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 370 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And your weekly report from the Star Trek multiverse, recorded live on Tuesday, June 12th, 2018, and available for download or streaming on Friday, June 15th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kenna. And I'm Anthony. And back from his wonderful adventures in Portugal is our audio engineer
2: Winters. Welcome back, buddy. Thank you very much. It's absolutely fantastic to be back. And hello, everyone. You, sir, were definitely missed. So were you guys. I had many a drink thinking of you while I was away.
1: So, Kenna, why don't you tell us what we've got coming up this week?
0: Well, this week we trek out Discovery's final push on the Emmys with short vignettes from various production teams. There's a few interviews with Discovery actors and we're discussing the future of After Trek. In Star Trek Online news, we start to offer some spoilerific reviews and our opinions of expansion four, Victory is Life. But that's not all. We're joined by Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, for a deep dive yeah, into baby. the latest expansion. Al joined us for nearly two hours worth of discussion, so sit back, grab some popcorn, and enjoy this special episode. Of course, as always, before we wrap up the show, we'll open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages.
3: Captains, those hailing frequencies are always open, and you know we love to hear from you between episodes, so please reach out to us. We're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast. We're on Twitter at Priority One Pod, and you can even send us an email via incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Captains, it's that time of the
1: show where we have to thank our patrons, our monthly financial supporters of Priority One. Because without their ongoing support, it'd be hard to keep the lights going and producing this show from week to week. Now, we mentioned earlier that we had a two-hour-long sit-down with Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. That happened on Saturday, June 9th. And right after that interview, we posted it up to our patrons. At the $10 level and up, you get exclusive content that you can access early via patreon.com forward slash priority one. Now, don't worry. We won't be editing or cutting anything out for Friday's show, but it's just an extra perk. The fact that our patrons got that interview super early. Now, of course, we understand that a financial contribution may not be possible, but there are other ways that you can help contribute to Priority One Podcast. For starters... Have you been sharing the show? Do your friends know that you get your weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here at Priority One Podcast? Or have you commented on places like iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts? Those go a long way in making sure that Priority One Podcast continues to grow. And as always, Captains,
3: without you, none of this would be possible. Now let's trek out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. Then let's
0: check it out.
1: Former President Clinton's political advisor Paul Begala once said, quote, politics is show business for ugly people, end quote. And while we have no opinion regarding the beauty of politicians, or none we wish to share, awards season seems to lend credence to Mr. Begala's statement cbs has been hitting the proverbial campaign trail hard promoting star trek discovery for emmy consideration in addition to a panel at the emmys for your consideration event the star trek discovery team has released six for your consideration vignettes the categories presented are outstanding drama series in all eligible categories Outstanding Production Design for a Narrative, Contemporary, or Fantasy Program. Outstanding Music Composition for a Series. Outstanding Special Effects. Outstanding Prosthetic Makeup for a Series. And Outstanding Sci-Fi Fantasy Costumes. The vignettes focused solely on Season 1 of Discovery, so nothing spoilery was present. But we were treated with some new behind-the-scenes shots and a great look at the sets and costumes. Check out the show notes for a link to the videos. So one of the biggest takeaways, each of these videos is, a, is under three minutes or so long. And perhaps the biggest takeaway I had from these were that the creative team are in fact Star Trek fans. It's very much unlike the J.J. Abrams team who were almost exaggerating the fact that J.J. wanted very little to do with previous versions of Trek. Or people who had been involved in one way, shape, or form.
3: It was also a legal thing. They couldn't be too close because because of the CBS-Paramount split. They have, to, they have to be a certain percentage different from each other.
1: So it was nice, it was refreshing to see that so many people on the creative team of Discovery were in fact fans of Star Trek for years.
0: So I want to talk about this uh, for your consideration thing because I'd never actually heard of it before this year. And of course, now since I live in the LA area, this is a whole phenomenon that I've had my eyes open to. Uh, I was in Hollywood last weekend and everywhere in Hollywood are these gigantic billboards that say, consider Will and Grace and for your consideration, whatever show, they are absolutely everywhere. So this is a thing that goes on every year sort of campaigning for the emmys now i don't know if if it's been such a big thing um for years or what but certainly this will be the first time a star trek series has been anywhere near a contender for a long time so it's nice to see uh star trek kind of uh playing up uh, with the big boys in terms of those campaigns for emmy consideration
3: i think it's a great thing too to see CBS putting so much effort behind this because if they didn't think that they had something that would A gain a large audience and B make them lots of money, they would not be putting this much effort behind it and I think that they're in it for the long game and I think that's exciting for us Star Trek fans
2: I'm sure the previous Star Trek series have won Emmys before.
1: Oh yeah, yes, oh yes yes, uh, Star Trek is in fact Emmy Emmy winning.
3: Right Mostly, mostly in um editing or sound or uh, makeup like technical stuff right uh, I I know that TNG had at least one episode in contention for uh, for outstanding dramatic series all right but
0: remind me when did Enterprise go off the air 2005
2: that'd yes. be about right yeah
0: yeah, so um, to put it, to put that into the context of the internet and social media and that kind of viral campaign, that was around the time that was when Facebook started taking off was in 2005. So at the time, they might have been and considering the last Star Trek um, series um, for an Emmy we didn't have any kind of social media. So uh, while it was likely that there were these type of things um, presented to campaign for the Emmys, no, you and I would never have seen it because it's not the kind of thing that, that people are sharing. And I mean, YouTube was a twinkle in somebody's eye probably at the time. Um, so it's probably just more noticeable to us Star Trek fans who are watching out for it nowadays.
1: According to Memory Alpha, the wiki page, Star Trek has won, quote, Star Trek has won 34 Emmy Awards out of 155 nominations, spanning from 1967 to 2005, end quote.
2: Interesting.
0: Star Trek Discovery leading lady Sonequa Martin-Green sat down with E.T. Online, a CBS Studios property, to talk about her role on Star Trek's latest installment. The piece in itself seemed more like FYC promotional material, but it did offer some of Martin Green's thoughts on Michael Burnham and the cast's approach to season two. Sinequa echoed previous sentiments regarding her respect for Michael Burnham, the franchise, and Discovery's place in our changing world. She also stated that her co-stars on Discovery were more comfortable in their roles. Of season two, Martin Green says, quote, Now we have a little bit more hold on what it is that we're doing, the universe we're in, the story that we're telling, the roles that each of us have within the story. We're hopefully very boldly, if I may say, going higher and deeper, end quote.
1: So what I particularly love about Sonequa Martin-Green is her diplomacy in handling... Star Trek, the franchise, because I think deep down inside, her level of expertise and knowledge of Star Trek may not be what we're like in comparison to the three of us, let's say, right? She may not be able to name an episode. First of all, I can't even name an episode. of Star
0: You Trek. hear that, Sonequa Martin-Green? You got nothing on us. Just FYI. But,
1: but it's it's so beautiful to hear her speak so eloquently about the franchise with with passion right it's it's just it's refreshing it really is it's just so she's a high-class lady you know she reminds me of uh, of nichelle nichols just always high class
3: always tig Notaro might not know what quote a room full of pleasant subspace particles wrapped in a tachyon field of good vibes and quote means but she delivers it well Appearing on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, that's how the comedian and newly cast Star Trek engineer, Commander Jet Reno, described Stephen Colbert's welcoming set. Later, she admitted, quote, I have no idea what I'm saying on that show. I can't even picture what I'm talking about, end quote. In a piece of almost maybe news, Nataro mentioned that she was given the honor of naming her character, Jet Reno, though, frankly, it was difficult to tell if she was serious or delivering a joke in her trademark... Deadpan style. As entertainment alone, the appearance is worth a viewing. So be sure to check out the link to the video in our show notes.
0: I love it when Star Trek actors don't have any clue about science and have to do all the Trekno babble. It's like magic to me. This is where I think you get the craft of being a, a, a film or television actor really down because these people deliver stuff, and it's convincing. I mean, it's it's Trekno babble, but. It's always convincing, and then you find out later they have no idea what they're talking about, and it's just brilliant. I love it.
1: You know, it makes me appreciate Rick and Morty even more because Rick and Morty, the creators, just and, and Justin Roiland specifically, will just make up nonsensical words in the middle of a of a scene, like it's just completely improv'd. I'm sure they could spend the time in trying to make it sound sciency because it is, in fact, a ...kind of a science fiction cartoon... ...but instead... ...it's Gazorpazorp... ...or... ...Flobos... ...Blee-Blops... ...like he just... ...literally just puts syllables and vowels together... ...in this science fiction show... ...whereas... ...and it's a, it's a commentary... It, ...it really is a commentary... ...on exactly this... ...that these actors... ...you know, spend time... ...memorizing these words... ...of Babble ...for various science fiction shows...
0: Yeah, But what's weird is that with Star Trek, it's made up stuff that sounds vaguely right. And then 20 years later, they go and bloody make it. <laughs> right. That's right, the magic. Right, right, That's why Star Trek is yes. just like mind blowing.
3: She was very positive about the whole Star Trek experience that she's been having, too, in this interview. And I was really happy to see that uh, Stephen Colbert was actually really excited and she offered for him to come uh, with her to the set next time they go and he jumped right on top of it because he's, he's a pretty big sci-fi fan and Star Trek fan in general.
0: So speaking of Star Trek fans, do you guys remember the time that Elijah appeared on the Star Trek Discovery after show After Trek? Well, it turns out he might have broken the show and they are actually reimagining the format. Alright, the part about Elijah isn't necessarily true but you can feel free to spread that rumor. Hey! Now, there is some truth to the statement, though. After Trek is getting a makeover. According to ComicBook.com, rumors began to swirl earlier in the week that After Trek would be cancelled following mixed reviews of its first season. ComicBook.com reached out to CBS All Access and received the following reply. Quote, We are reimagining After Trek for Season 2. The series will continue to have all of the fan-driven elements that Star Trek Discovery viewers enjoyed this season and more. We'll be sure to share more details as we get closer to launch, end quote. So
1: I'm really not surprised that they would be looking at restructuring it because so the producers of After Trek are um, the production company is Embassy Row and it takes place in New York City. Uh, lower Manhattan by the village and when I was there I was shocked to find out that Matt Myra was flying into the city every week to host that show like that's ridiculous one because it's 10 hours on a pl- for not even 10 it's, it's really 14 hours right 2 hours you have to be at the airport 2 hours prior so you're you're traveling for almost 15 hours for for of 3 hour taping, 2 hour taping of a show. I that must be extraordinarily expensive. Mm-hmm. To fly out a host to the from west coast to east coast once a week, even if it is for 14 weeks or 15 weeks only. So that's a little weird. Plus they're filming in Toronto. So getting uh, well that's probably not a big deal because uh, after trek is filmed after the show has been filmed. So the actors are going to be all over the world. I think that from what I experienced in After Trek, the, 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 what I think is really the most expensive thing was flying Matt Myra all the way from the West Coast to the East Coast once a week. Because the rest of the show went so smoothly. The production staff were great. Yeah, the studio was really small and tiny, so you couldn't fit that many people in there um, in terms of audience members. But that would be my guess, honestly, is either they're moving it to the West Coast or or finding a new host?
3: I think it has to do with pure numbers of people watching it. Um, Plane tickets for that kind of a production I don't think are that terribly expensive. And I think the whole reason it was filmed in New York was because of the accessibility to Toronto. Because typically the writing staff will stay, will be there longer than the production crew. And also, after Trek, the first few episodes of when the show comes back they're probably still filming the last like handful of episodes in Toronto so the proximity between New York City and Toronto is beneficial to that that's probably the reason it was filmed in New York to begin with um i think it's honestly just numbers and i think that and in my opinion i think the show felt a little sluggish in moments on a weekly basis and i think that they're i think what they mean by reimagining is actually the format of the show itself Uh, regardless of whether or not Matt comes back. I hope he comes back. I love him. I love his enthusiasm for Star Trek and his knowledge. I mean, he's definitely a legit fan. But I think that it's really the format that they're looking at, and I think that it's they just want the numbers to be there to help the audience for the show grow, for Discovery to grow.
0: So that's a really good opportunity for us to ask a community question. What changes, if any, do you hope are made to After Trek?
1: On January 1st, it was reported that 33-year-old former child actor John Paul Stewart, who portrayed Worf's son Alexander on Star Trek The Next Generation, had passed away. On Monday, June 11th, the cause of death was ruled as suicide. The revelation of the young performer's death was not the only tragedy this past week. Fashion designer Kate Spade, celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain... And an average of 861 Americans also took their own lives. We want to take a moment to remind you that no matter who you are or where you are, you, captains, are worthwhile. No matter your social standing, your sexual orientation, or identity, your race, religion, creed, or color, you are important. We tell you each and every week that you are what makes our podcast possible. And we mean it. We very much appreciate you, Captains. Whether you routinely engage with us, simply listen to the show, or anything in between. In letting us into your lives, you have very much become part of ours. Captains, you most certainly are not a burden nor will ever be now we are not trained to help you in your struggles but we can certainly be here to help you find resources that can if you're not comfortable speaking with friends family or loved ones then dial the suicide prevention hotline at 1-800-273-8255 or we'll have a link of course in our show notes remember captains That without you, none of this would be possible.
0: Well, that's it for this week's Star Trek news. Now let's find out what happened this week in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good
3: news today. If you're a fan of the popular nerd site Geek and Sundry or role playing games, Shield of Tomorrow may sound familiar. The Twitch-streamed role-play show set in the Star Trek universe using Modiphius' Star Trek Adventures RPG system is bidding farewell to its viewers as the cast and crew of the starship USS Sally Ride prepares for a new show. To celebrate their run and influence on the Stowe development team, the Sally Ride will be making an appearance in-game starting July 13th. While its location hasn't been announced due to story spoilers, Once you find the ship in-game, you will be granted an Admiralty card for the Fan Series Starship. So this is pretty sweet. I had a quick look
2: at this, and yay. You know, free Admiralty card with pretty decent stats. I think they totally ripped you off in your Find Where's Winter's event.
3: Hmm.
1: I think you might be right. I know, I know. Look, it's priority one. Giving Star Trek Online (laughs) good ideas since 2011.
3: (laughs) Yeah
1: content writer Paul Reed delivers our latest fiction blog this week. It begins with Quark embarking into the Gamma Quadrant in a cloaked Orion ship on a clandestine and urgent mission. The story recounts the events leading up to the Victory is Life mission, The Search. Captains, now that Mark 15 gear is available, this weekend is a great time to upgrade. You can earn double technology points during the upgrade weekend, running now until June 18th at 10am Pacific Standard Time on PC.
2: I will for definitely be jumping on top of this, because I haven't done any upgrading yet, and I have a lot
3: of tunes to upgrade to Mark 15. And on console, the Phoenix Prize Pack has returned. From now until Thursday, June 21st, Phoenix Prize Packs will be available for purchase in the Delithium Store. You can also acquire one of these packs for free once every 20 hours from our favorite Ferengi merchants, Grim on Drazana Station or Ona on Deep Space Nine. We've been talking this whole month about Priority One
1: Armada's fifth year anniversary, as well as its one year anniversary for its weekly Twitch stream. Just like in years past, we are celebrating for the entire month of June with some incredible events, competitions, and giveaways. As we've mentioned before, there's over 10 billion energy credits worth of prizes up for grabs. Coming up this Saturday, June 16th, the Priority One Armada's weekly Twitch stream is giving away a Jordi Hologram Bridge Officer, a TNG Ship Pack, and a Walker-class Light Exploration Cruiser, a Tier 6, courtesy of Armada member Captain Bosch. For your chance of winning any of these prizes, tune into the Twitch stream at twitch.tv
3: forward slash priority1. Also taking place on Saturday for all Armada members is the Intergalactic Grand Prix event. As you might have guessed, this event is a space race. The total prize value for this event is over 826 million energy credits. Then, on June 20th, fly across the galaxy again for another chance to solve the clues and locate winters in the famous Where's Winters event, trademark. This event alone has over 600 million energy credits worth of prizes each day that the event is run, and over 2.5 billion energy credits altogether. There has never been a better time to join the Priority One Armada, so head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today for even more chances to win some of the great prizes we are giving away. And now that Winters is back from his beautiful trip to Portugal, oh yeah, it's time
2: for his weekly top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players, or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's my weekly top tip. This week, I'm going to talk to you about a useful trick to help speed up the process of converting loot rewards into salvage. We all remember back in January of this year that re-engineering was introduced into Star Trek Online. Part of that system was a new currency called Salvage. This would later be used to reroll modifiers on a wide range of items in-game. To convert a loot reward into Salvage, you have to right-click on it and then select the Salvage option. From there, a pop-up window will appear asking if you are sure that you wish to convert the selected item and you will have the option to either accept or cancel. Well, if you press and hold the control key on your keyboard while you right click on the item and select salvage, this will skip the pop-up window that appears. Believe it or not, this will make it much easier and quicker to convert loot items into salvage, especially if you are converting a large number of items. For more information, we will leave a link in the show notes at priorityonepodcast.com forward slash
3: PO370. In other gaming news, the Groovy Crew over at the tabletop game publisher Looney Labs has three Star Trek titles releasing this August Star Trek Flux, Star Trek The Next Generation Flux, and Bridge Crew expansion that allows you to play both sets of Flux together. For those of you not familiar with the Flux series of games, the rules for Flex are simple. They always change. Each game is different and every turn chaotic. Players will change the way the turns work by playing new rules for how many cards you draw and play. The winning goal will also change as any player can play a new goal that requires the winner to have a certain set of keeps in play before them. Each Star Trek Flux set will retail for $20, with the Bridge Crew expansion of 12 foil cards retailing for $5. Have you guys ever, either of you ever played Flux before? I have not, no. No, I can't say that I have. It's a crazy game. You basically start off with one card in play that gives you the rules for draw one card and play one card on your turn. So that's the simple rules. But in the deck of cards that you're playing with are new rules that you can overwrite or add to the current rules. And then there's a goal card that says you need you need this card and this card and this card to win the game. And you'll be playing cards in front of you that other players can steal. So there can be a turn. A game could last anywhere from two minutes to four hours, depending on how fast somebody can get the correct goal combination and cards in front of them to win the game. Hmm. I actually got to see this at the New York Toy Fair uh, from, uh, from the developers, uh, from the game developers of the company themselves.
1: Uh, I wonder if they're going to be at uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. Um, if they're due to release August 2nd, that'll be in the middle of the convention. So
3: maybe they'll have a table there where people can actually play the game. It's possible, or even if there's uh, a game distributor that carries them, sometimes distributors will go to events like this and have a selection of themed games. Star Trek Timelines is continuing its
1: Superior Ambition Mega Event this weekend with Part 3, A Quiet Coup. The Augment-themed series of galaxy events will feature Species 8472, also known as the Undine, Borg Drone Seven of Nine, and Serena Douglas. The event is live as of this recording.
3: I want to remind our listeners that Priority One has a Discord channel. If you'd like to come and chat about whatever games you're playing, head over to our show notes at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO370 for the link.
1: Well, that wraps it up for Star Trek Online and general gaming news. Now we welcome back to the show Star Trek Online's lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera.
0: Security clearance level three or above is required to access files.
2: This is Captain Benjamin Cisco. Authorization Cisco Alpha One Alpha.
0: Logs accessed.
1: Captains, joining us this episode of Priority One is Star Trek Online's lead designer Al Captain Gecko Rivera. Now, before we dive in, this is your final spoiler warning we will be digging into the story and development of Star Trek Online's Expansion 4, Victory is Life. So, if you haven't finished playing, you may want to stop playback now. Al, thank you so very much for joining us this episode.
4: Uh, Hi, Elijah. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very, very pumped about X4 and to talk about it. Awesome. So, let's just start off with
1: with this, the fact that you're pumped about it. How does it feel to have the expansion released
4: well without any real frame of reference it feels like i gave birth i (laughs) I mean it's just (laughs) was exhausting we we were very aggressive with a lot of things that we were that we were trying to do we were really trying to raise the bar on everything we are juggling a lot of uh, celebrity voice talent we were pushing the boundaries of cutscenes and uh uh, at the same time, we had a lot of illnesses. We had, we had, uh, we had some new people join the team. We had some people move to Magic. We and then I was in the middle of selling my house, and so that was really chaotic. And then two other people were also two or three other three other people were also in the middle of a big move. So uh, just personally, moving their moving their homes, and so. It was just, it was, it took a monumental amount of effort. We worked really hard in this one. There was way more overtime than I'm, than I'm, that I'm not proud of that we had to do to get it done. But, but I'm very proud of how much effort that, the monumental effort that people were working on this product. And when it was released, it was, it was pure adrenaline and then just, you know, pure joy watching the, the, the feedback and the, um, reactions from everybody as far as you know when what what they saw what they experienced and I I do believe this is this is our our best content our best story our best our best experience that we've released for Star Trek online and it was it was actually our biggest release by the numbers uh, as far as the people and money biggest release ever for Star Trek Online, still nine years later. When you say by by the people, you're talking about player reception, player player participation, and and spending. Wow.
2: And wow. tell me
4: this: how, how long
2: have you actually been working on X Four? Like, when did it initially you know start working on the content?
4: Okay. Well, if we've been working on it, planning on it mm-hmm. for since before last year's STLV. so right. something like September. August or something of last year right yeah since like August of last year so that's about right all right so like August of 2017 yeah so it's not even a year working on it that's a lot of work to get done
2: really in a very short amount of time
4: yeah it is a lot of work now as far as like the the direction was was planned probably back I can't even tell you um whenever we were before when did the Zenkethi War come out? I've already lost track. It's just been one big blur because the Zenkethi War was always all the way from, from, uh, from when we first introduced the um, Lucari mm-hmm. from that moment. So that was like right after the Iconians. The story was always planned. How do we get this to the Gamma Quadrant for the, thir- you know, for the, for the anniversary? It was the 35th uh, anniversary for G-Space Nine. And how do we, how do we introduce the Herc? And so that whole all the way way back then from the introduction of the lucari which was which was even before remember that was when we actually did agents of yesterday so plans for it was we even way back far back as agents of yesterday but then it really starts solidifying after Agents of Yesterday. Okay, where are we going to go next, and how are we going to get there? And so all the all the seasons after Agents of Yesterday have been leading up to this release of uh, of Victory is Life because that was when we needed to say, okay, we got to get there. What's the path to get there? Okay, it was going to be about the Lucari and then the Kathy War and the Proto Matter stories and why are they? What's this crusade? Is in Kethi on? And oh, wow, surprise! It's you know it's the Herc and. Uh, we got to get to the Gamma Quadrant and tell that story. So the roots of the story go back. Planning, probably the planning itself. Now that I'm thinking about it, was happening during the development of Agents of Yesterday, right. because we had to have that ready before we released the, the first, the post Agents of Yesterday stories. Right.
1: Now here's here's the interesting thing about this expansion, from from my perspective, as a player, right, is that throughout the last seven years, we've had special guests come on. We've had missions you know little one-off missions not little but one-off missions that that call back to episodes uh that we've already watched and answer some questions a lot of that dealing with the solenae in uh, with the iconians and the spheres for instance but what sets this expansion apart i think is that you are coming into it and experiencing it with 98% Ninety-eight percent of the cast of Deep Space Nine. Right, so you are really on Deep Space Nine with them, in a way that we haven't seen before. Right, we've sure we've done a mission with Worf, we've done missions with Denise Crosby, but this is legit. I'm on Deep Space Nine with all of these characters at the same time. It's not. It's not sprinkled in one actor here, one actor there. Which is amazing, right? The immersion is phenomenal.
4: Thank you, and and uh, I, it, it was what we're going for, right? We wanted to we wanted to make we wanted the feeling of a true Deep Space Nine, you know, dare I say, movie-like experience or mini series event uh, of, of Deep Space Nine. I think we I think we did a little of that with Delta Rising because we had. You know, a large amount of the Voyager cast there, mm-hmm. but in that st- in that one, we kind of every episode featured one character. So we did an episode of about Neelix, and then an episode about about Seven of Nine, an episode about Harry Kim, and so you see them all in the beginning, and then you see them all at the end. And here, it was much more of an ensemble cast, which is what kind of Deep mm-hmm. Space Nine was like. And so you're 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 kind of moving along this one. You know this, this movie, this entire plot with with those cast members, and you're basically join the cast of Deep Space Nine. So that was that. I'm I'm glad that that felt that way. It was, that was that was what we were trying. That was what we were trying to do. It had a darker tone. It had it had a uh, it had an intrigue and kind of a uh, you know we were trying to catch elements from like Pale Moonlight and you know there's there are things that characters in Deep Space Nine do that other characters in other Star Trek shows would never do and we were so we were trying to capture that as well as show how all the characters you know some more than others had grown and changed over the last 30 or so years um and and that that some of them are just different people now
3: well you've done such an amazing job of of sort of retouching some of those amazing moments from Deep Space Nine that I'm such a big fan of Do you have any favorite moments from behind the scenes while developing this large expansion? And do you have any favorite moments from the story arc itself?
4: I'll start by answering the the second part of the question. Favorite moment from the story arc, uh, I mean, it's got to be Quark's Lucky 7. It's just, uh, (laughs) I I mean, there's a lot of favorite moments, but Quark's (laughs) Lucky 7 was, 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 I made a comment like, Six months ago, about we're in the de- middle of developing like the most complex, most expensive episode we've ever done, and that uh, it was regarding that this episode, Quarks Lucky Seven. We released Renegades wh- when you got to play Nethpar as really a uh, prototype. I won't maybe not a prototype, but you know, yeah. it's basically the the test bed for okay, is this can we get this technology working? We didn't want to. We didn't want to test that in uh, in, in Victory's Life. Um, and, and we wanted to see how players received it, so that's how we reached that. Where you get to play as somebody else, and so when we put that together, I mean, we you know, we want to know how we going to get Ferengi's in the story, and you know Quark's not a combatant. You don't want him. He's going to be how's how's he going to fit into the story, and how do we make a Ferengi experience? And we uh, we referenced Magnificent Ferengi, and it says, well, let's do another Magnificent Frankie. Yeah. And uh, it was Tian Ricosa who suggested a heist. And yeah. so that, was, that gave us the ability to you know, kind of cut loose and have kind of a comedy episode, which is, which is really, really hard and not something we do a lot of, and have something that felt really Ferengi play very, very different and, and, and capture one of like, my favorite moments from, from D. Space Nine, The Magnificent Ferengis. So that episode, uh, you know, telling that story, we, we knew we wanted to address the Sword of Calus and how we were going to get that back? I originally never planned it to be the Ferengis be the one to do that, um, <laughs> but that's just where that's that's where. It, so I said, oh well, let's, that's we need to we need to do a Ferengi episode. We need to get the story k less and that's where Co says, why don't we do a heist? Um, and so that was brilliant. So yeah, I, I could I would love to talk about that all day. as If that that episode, <laughs> there's there's such great story moments in there. We we weren't able to get the actor who played Leck because unfortunately he passed away. So it's a sound alike who plays Leck, but Leck of course was the assassin from the. Uh, from the, from the Magnificent Frankie, He specifically has an amazing moment in that episode as well. Uh, yeah, yes. that, that moment when we originally cut that video, uh, when, we, when, when our, our animator, Weston, who's a new animator, he's absolutely brilliant, he's fast, and he's just amazing, he's, you can see he does amazing work. It was definitely a great opportunity to, to, to have him to work with us. So he was a huge addition to the team. When he made the video, he, you know, he showed it off at a, company, at a team meeting. And he put the uh, he just put the music uh, uh, Beastie Boy sabotage to that music, so that way when the explosion goes off, it goes Wah! right. You know, right? The, the, you know which song I'm talking about? The yeah, oh, Boy? yeah, 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 yeah. 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 From, from Beyond. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same from Beyond. So, and it was so funny, it was so hysterical as he's in the, getting ready to explode the console, and it go, and and, uh, and that it was so funny when he showed it that we actually reached out to see if we could get the license the song for the show for the, for the game because ah. well, technically it's canon. So, yeah. um, but it was just too expensive, so um, so we we didn't get it. But that's if, if uh, I wish I could share that developer's cut uh, with that with that song, but because it's <laughs> yeah. licensed, I can't share it. So that that's that's was like the most fun and crazy work. I mean, there's other really great moments. I mean, the the those I think, think people call it the slap heard across the gamma quadrants or something. Um, oh yeah, uh, and then the some of the the, the spooky elements of Tenebra's Torquant, the kind of, that kind of reminiscence from, from uh, trying to capture some of the feels, say from aliens, um, the original, the original alien.
3: Yeah. I definitely felt that in that episode. Yeah. And, um, and when Kira slaps Odo, it's, uh, uh, it's such a great dramatic moment. And like you, knowing those characters from the show, you, you feel the weight of that moment and it, it
4: worked really well. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. That was, that's, that, that was a moment we've worked, we were really working towards for a long time. But as far as behind the scenes, my favorite behind the scenes moment was something so totally unexpected. So Max Grudenchek came in to, to record on site and he was very, uh, very charming and, uh, and very very gracious uh, and he didn't really understand the the nature of video games and what we did so he was pretty enthralled about what we were doing so we're giving him a tour and our uh, HR director who recently joined the company she'd only been there maybe a few months she happened to be a big D Space Nine fan and I said do you want to meet him and she says yeah I want to meet him so we're walking through hallways and and I introduce uh, her to him and and uh, she goes, oh, uh, it's like, oh, nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, you don't know who I am. I says, no, I do. I do know who you are. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of T-Space Night. And she goes, and he goes, uh, says, oh, yeah, I, I thought maybe you wouldn't recognize me for my makeup. And he says, no, I, I completely recognize who you are. It's really, and, and he goes, okay, good. Then, uh, then I guess I won't ask you to take off your clothes. Don't worry, I won't ask you to take off your clothes. <laughs> 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 wow. It's like, oh my god, the HR director.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Well, I was not expecting that.
4: Yeah.
3: Is she still with the company? <laughs> yeah. She just,
4: no, no. yeah no. no. I mean, she got the joke. It was. It was. It was a moment where I was like, "Should I laugh?" Because I, but because I, I couldn't stop but busting out laughing. When you know, he said, "Don't worry, don't worry. I won't ask you to take off your clothes." You know, he says it like, like, like. Uh, he, he says it like, right. like, 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 like wrong. Don't worry. Yeah. I won't ask you to take off your clothes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was fantastic.
1: And he knew, and he knew that she was the HR. Yeah, director. I introduced her to him. Uh, oh, yeah. oh wow! <laughs> oh, that's
2: brilliant.
3: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I suppose, I suppose there aren't any uh, Ferengi HR directors, are there? There may not be. <laughs> Probably not. Um,
2: nice. Yeah, so
4: that that was great. And then, and then, first getting on the phone with Jeffrey Combs when uh, when he comes on to to do VO, he just starts talking to us like Brunt he just like just starts a conversation and he's just he just immediately just jumped into character and just ad-libbing just talking to us as Brunt so that was just hysterical We wow. on the phone? on the, the phone? well we're a Skype call when we're when we're doing oh, the record okay. sessions like okay hey and you know we, we, he because he, we record remotely and we recorded him remotely and and he jumped on, and we just did introductions, and then he just started chatting with us as Brent. So that was oh, absolutely wow. really fun. Do
3: you, when you, when you have recording sessions with any actors who wear a lot of prosthetics, especially teeth, do they have the teeth in when they're doing the voiceover work?
4: Uh, we had to remake Quark's teeth, so he has his no longer fits, so we made new prosthetic teeth for, for Quark. Uh, Aaron Eisenberg still has his teeth, and so he used his. And Max did not have any and didn't require them, and so he just did it without the teeth, and and, I don't, and neither did Jeffrey Combs. Oh, that's really cool. I, I, yeah, some say that it really changes the performance and the way they talk, and but but yeah. I I, uh, Ram and Brunt sounded like Ram and Brunt to me. So, yeah. Did JG uh, have teeth? Because no, he, he wears no. them in the show, doesn't he? He wear he, a, top, a top set. He does wear teeth in the show, yeah. But no, he didn't he didn't wear them or request them, and. JG doesn't doesn't not hold back on his performance. I mean, he's oh, just he's amazing. He's just when he's there in the recording booth. I mean, not he's just he's just ad <laughs> And He's just going nuts. So he's he's totally he's uh he plays it over the he plays it nice. over the top. So it's it's fu- it's, cra- it's crazy working at a company when you're just walking down the hallway and you you know walk around working down the hallway. You hear someone scream kapla, right? And it's John, you know and Mar talks just screaming down the hallway. You can hear it throughout like half the building. So. <laughs>
1: Well, since we're on the topic of voiceover work, let's talk about the Herc.
4: <laughs> uh, that, that, that was a really, really slick segue. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried.
1: Look, I'm really good with those. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about designing the Herc, this, this never-before-seen species. Uh, tell us about their development. And, you know, I would argue that you, you made the Herc what the Borg should have remained. <laughs> this... This relentless species without a single face.
4: Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't really put it together that way, but yeah, sure. Um, it, it's uh, I, I'm still a fan of the Borg Queen, but I totally understand what you're getting at. It's interesting that you say that now that I'm thinking about it, because when we were designing the Herc, you know, as, as everyone knows, we've, we've never seen the Herc before. They're mentioned a couple times on in Star Trek. Uh, they're they talked about most in the Sword of K-less episode on Deep on uh, in Deep Space Nine and we go to a Herc cave and that's when they find the sort of Calus, and there's just some there's some perk architecture there which is which the artists the environment artists used and and you'll see some of those that those symbols and those shapes in the architecture in the Herc caves in uh in in Victoria's life so all we know is that they, they attacked the Klingon Empire a thousand years ago. They're the only ones that ever had really defeated the Klingons before. They stole the Sword of Kalos. And in a previous, I think, game of Star Trek, they were mentioned as a, or shown as an insectoid race, which is like, okay, well, let's, let's just make them an insectoid race then too. And I said, I really wanted to make them like locusts. Let's just say that like locusts or cicadas, they swarm every, two, every thousand years. They just, they swarm. But what everybody kept wanting to do instinctively was they, well, we're of course they're insects, let's make them a hive and let's give them a queen and that sort of thing. It says, no, 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 I don't wanna do that again. So this I mean we already have a borg and we have a hive as, you know, a borg queen is a hive and we and we already had we already hit the bluegills and they were like, you know, an insect right. race, a cast, you know, with drones and 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 uh, and workers and, and and uh and a queen. I says, I don't wanna do another insect race that has a hive queen race because they do that on every independence knockout. Independence Day knockoff, where just kill the queen and then everyone, you know, then you win. Um, we needed I want. I wanted this. I wanted every one of them to be sentient individuals, uh, and so I wanted to be more like locusts, um, a swarm, and um, a force of nature. Yeah, more of a force of nature, and, and as opposed to, and that wasn't necessarily having a a goal, right? It Wasn't like they were, they had a goal or, or an objective. They were just a force of nature just surviving and doing what they do right and then our our concept artist uh hector he he likes to really get into why, why what how they exist and everything and I, I and the first thing that i wanted to do is i i, I wanted them to be very very alien so i want to let's let's not make them carbon based and also oh, make them silicon says no no no, i don't want to make them silicon because as soon as you know silicon it's just it's, it's done before so uh, as a chemist the the next the next elements up the up the uh, up the uh, down the periodic table is germanium and I didn't think a lot of people would know what germanium was so in the path to to x to x4 you find these crystals and they're germanium based and so um, it happens you know it, ha- it has four electron bonds so um, you know it's not likely but you know like carbon it could it could form complex molecules so I said we'll make them germanium based so that's a you know that's and I'm going to make a metallic and, and, and it's kind of more like Little more inorganic, well, they're definitely you know certainly inorganic, and they don't they only don't eat meat; they they eat they eat minerals, eat rocks and metal. And so Hector wanted to figure out what, why they would only hatch every every thousand years. And so he decide he developed this idea that the planet is in this highly elliptical orbit around the sun, where it's only in the habitable zone for like a hundred years, and then for like a 900 years it's further away from the Sun so they say that's their natural state they go and they go in hibernation for 900 years or thousand years and then they wake up for hundred years and then they they swarm and they feed themselves and they go back and then they nest and that's just their cycle so the moon the planet the, the, the planets orbit around the Sun is what made this their their natural cycle even though when they're off the off world they still they still sleep for a thousand years and wake up for hundred years so, um, so that's where, that's where that came from. I uh, and then everything else just started coming from. Well, how are we going to make a connection to to, to the to the Dominion and and, and, and the. Uh uh, you know the Gem Hadar and, and, and the founders, and the start. We've made the connection with the Ketchell White, because we didn't like anything else, you know, we, you know, well, I can't get into too much because we don't have a finale yet. So I should probably stop, stop talking. We, we wanted to sh- see that basically the, hu- the hubris of the founders is what is, you know, causing their their, the Dominion to fall apart. You know what they what they created, is what is
2: destroying them. So part of uh, X4, you released Cardassians and Vanguard Jemadar as new playable species that can be purchased through the C-Store for Zen. I'm curious, do either of these unlock as a reward for completing the new Gamma reputation like the Remans do for the Romulan subfaction?
4: faction uh, No, they they don't. Um, All right. You, you can only get them from, from the C-Store. Um, I don't. No, or think that will change. So, I mean, maybe it will change in the future, but right now, no. It's it's, it's there's no plan to make that as a as a as a fleet as a free right. as a free species. Are
2: there any plans to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Deep Space Nine this year, or is X4 the end of it? Um, can we maybe expect to see any of the voice actors coming back for any future missions?
4: Well, we obviously X4 uh, Victor's life ends in a cliffhanger, mm-hmm. so um, if you ends. So we've got returning content to, 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 to wrap up the finale but no after 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 this we uh, will we, maybe we'll do a few rewards and 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 store stuff that might be uh, themed but the content will uh, probably move in a different direction after after X4 uh, of course in the finale you'll, you'll see you'll see uh, many of your many of the your favorite actors and whether they'll return I mean sure we bring actors back all the time if the story suits it and um, we, we, will, we will certainly bring back other actors. I'm sure you'll see more of Aaron Eisenberg and Chase Masterson because they're big big, uh, big friends of the, uh, uh, of, of the team and, and the game. And, and so I'm sure we'll see them again in the future. Um, if we see the other characters, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, if uh, if the story takes us there, we'll definitely invite them back. Uh, we enjoyed working with all of them. They were some of the most professional um, actors that we had worked with uh, before, and they, they really were really good at getting back into their character very quickly. And fantastic. Um, and and I really really enjoyed work. Uh, I was really surprised with working with Nana Visitor. not 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 that I was surprised that she, you know that she could act, but that she really grokked what we were trying to make of her character. That she had grown from this hot head. Kind of, uh-huh. um, you know, a, 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 you know, freedom fighter, soldier, and now she's been Kai, and now she's no longer Kai. So she's grown, and she's a little more, she's a lot more even-tempered. Yet very, you know, she's still very firm and strong, but she doesn't, she doesn't go off nuts, screaming and and right. and, and uh, just she would be irate in in the show before. She's way more centered, and I think she portrayed that in a really subtle way. I was really, I was really impressed with that. Of hers, and of course, Garrick was just, just perfectly. Gar- oh. Garrick, Garrick, yes. no, knocked that one out of the park. Both the
2: voiceover <laughs> and the character animation was just absolutely yeah. fantastic. It was brilliant.
1: That wide-eyed look of his, <laughs> that you know, that he gives. Yeah. out, He just—it's like his always. Like he, he, barely blinks, and it's just always very intense and wide-eyed.
4: It's wow! Did the
1: animator? So great. That one
4: animator still all Weston, right? If he, yeah, he did yeah. that. It's a. Fantastic stuff because uh, you know when they sculpted him and when they when they made him, I was like, and a guy kind of says, "Well, wow, that looks like Garrick, but he's 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 grumpy looking. He uh, looks yeah. so grumpy. So Garrick's always got a got a sinister smile, <laughs> yeah. and so right. so so." So if you ever, you know, when in, in the contact dialogues pop up, we've got about I don't know half a dozen different contact dialog headshot styles where someone's going to be panicky or sad or, or normal, and so we uh, Weston made a special one just for Garrick. So when Garrick's in the contact window Doc talking to you, he's got these little head ticks and these yes. wide eye and the smile that, that just that was made just for him. So it's a it is the Garrick headshot shot style just for the contact dialogues along the of course captures all of that in the cutscenes too. So.
3: That's so spot on. It's, I mean, uh, you know, Wesson did such a good job across the board. But when, when, when Garrick is in that window, yeah, y- it's almost seamless. You really feel like he's there. Yeah. It's so yeah. well done.
4: You know, what's really weird because it's just it's just a random looping animation that just it's, right. it gets into random things, and for whatever reason, it always just seems to line up perfectly with whatever he's saying. It's It's not a can. It is not a scripted animation that like like every headshot is specific for the thing he's talking about and yeah in the cutscenes, it's like that but in the contact dialogue it's just like it just goes through different cycles randomly and it yeah. just always seems to line up and like the way he yes. uh, with whatever he's saying so it was just wow that's that that that's really good that was uh, super super and yeah and then of course you know uh, uh, Andrew Robinson's performance was just uh, it's just so good when you write those lines and you know a writer Paul he writes these lines and then uh, and then you kind of hear in your head, oh, I can hear how he might say this. And then when he delivers it, just like that, you can see everybody in the in the audio room where it's, like, cheering. Like, you can't say – you try to keep quiet, but, like, the fists are in the air, like, cheering. Like, yeah, I got it. It's like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so – Now, did he – Did
1: was he Was he phoned in or did he come into the uh, – The only ones that came studio? into
4: the studio were Chase uh, – basically the people you saw in the video walking through DSpace9. Yeah. So it had been Max Gredincheck, Chase Masterson, and, um, and Max uh, – and uh, – uh, um, and J G J- Hertzler, J G Hertzler. Everyone else recorded remotely in the uh, out of L A.
1: So, I, and the reason I asked that is because you guys had published a video of Chase and J G and uh, Max yeah. watching and getting a tour of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So I, I think of someone like Andrew Robinson, who whose acting technique for Garrick was so unique. Do you guys send them videos and like you know like in an email attachment like here? Oh, thank you very much. Here's a, here's Here's a sample of the finished product, and what are their reactions?
4: I've sent them in past. I've sent them pictures of their characters. I've never sent them videos of the performance, but I probably should. I think that's a great. That's a great. That's a great idea. I, I often don't um, even talk with these actors directly. I mean, some, sometimes we develop a relationship with some of them, but often I'm just dealing through the uh, through the manager. So, but but I think that's a great idea. I think I'll send. I think I'll send some of them their uh, the 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 performance, so that way they can see the final product. Um, I'll do that on Monday. How about that? Great idea. See how they respond.
1: Yeah, I-, I could see Andrew Robinson specifically because he had such a unique style to his portrayal of
4: Garrick. He's probably my favorite. He, uh, up until Tilly, I think he's probably been my favorite all-time Star Trek character. Has been Garrick.
2: Ooh, yeah. Wow. No, he's still mine. He, and I think he knocked it out of the park for X Four. He's uh, well. All right. There's somebody else with him. Leck. I loved Leck. And I think Leck's become very popular uh, because of um, Quark's Lucky Seven. Uh, I think I've seen a lot of people uh, talking about Leck, um, so I'd say he's going to be very popular.
4: If
3: if possible, we need more Leck.
2: More <laughs> Leck, yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. It's totally doable. Yeah, we can I certainly can get more Lek though. So. well, because he's not he's not one of the cast members. He's he's uh, he's played. I don't know know the gentleman's name who played him, but he's just one of our uh, SAG actors who who uh, you know through our through our, uh, our, our, our voice agency that we use. And so yeah. he's completely affordable and, and we can certainly have him reoccur.
1: Speaking of story and, and, and voice actors, um, I was, I, I, I got to admit, I was a little disappointed when in the second mission with where you saved Kai Opaka mm-hmm. that you weren't able to get, that you weren't able to get Jonathan Banks.
4: Jo- jo- oh, jo- you, mean, jo- do you mean who plays the, the, the Null?
1: yes yes yeah, yeah. Because, be- because he's he's pretty big now yeah, right he's done things yeah. like breaking bad yeah. and so i i can see why it was a little hard but um i was like oh man wouldn't that be super awesome because as i was re-watching the episodes i was like oh my god that's 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 what's his yeah. face that's jonathan banks from all yeah. these shows that are now really popular um look how young he looks and then we got into that mission and i was like oh man how awesome would it be oh no yeah.
4: Yeah, well, there the yeah, I mean he's 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 big, he's popular, you know, he's on Better Call Saul and um he was on Breaking Bad and we reached out to him but we we could not come to agreement. It's uh he was he yeah. was he was he was too unreachable. You know, we we base our um we we have what we call favored Nation rates for for actors. Everybody gets the same thing cuz it's to just and based on based on your you you know, based on your role. If you're a bridge officer, if you're a recalling actor you know, if you're you know, if you're a if you're a top star or you know, top star bridge officer uh, 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 um, reoccurring recurring or just or or just guest star. Those are you just get those rates. And if you start negotiating that, oh I want a little bit more, then they all talk and then oh you got more than that and I'm <coughs> and I want more money now so so we learned our lesson a long time ago. These are the rates and, and when we couldn't come to an agreement for what we uh, um, and and it's fine it's, it's 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 totally fine i mean he's he's a he, he's he's a he's a big actor and um and we we rate our characters based on based on star trekness not based on hollywoodness right, right? but anyway uh i think the 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 sound alike did a pretty decent job oh yeah um uh, uh, emulating emulating that character so
3: uh, so, Al, one of my favorite parts of the expansion is actually the music. Um, when you walk out onto Deep Space Nine, you get a little of that DS9 theme and the Stowe theme together. And, you know, we talk so much about gameplay and content, but I, I'd i love to take a moment to talk a little bit about the music process and how that works in Stowe and and just how you know how much the, the music that you added in expansion four really adds to the immersion of being on Deep Space Nine.
4: Well, there's 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 not really a lot to say. I uh, um, but basically, you know, we have an audio department. There's and and our art director Michael Henry. Um, art director, excuse me. Our audio director Michael Henry. Uh, he's also the one who. Who does the uh, VO sessions? Um, he's a Star Trek fan, and he's a musician, and he's the one. He plays the French horn. He did. He does our STO theme um, for Star Trek Online. He's you know he composed that himself. Um, so he's a composer and 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 uh, a musician and audio engineer, and so he gets Star Trek. And so when we're we're planning an expansion, I mean all the expansions we did, the TOS one, the 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 uh, the. Legacy Ramos and the Delta Rising they were all meant to capture those feels of those shows so he knew what we we know what we were making sometimes he licenses music sometimes he gets he gets music from uh, from uh, um, whatever libraries that are purchased uh, often he composes his own, and uh, so, yeah, we said this is what we're doing. We, need, we got this kind of heist for, for Quark's Lucky 7. We got this Deep Space Nine theme that we need to emulate, and so he just kind of nails it. And honestly, he, we got that at the last minute. It was because there was so much voiceover that came through because we can't start our voiceover until, uh, until the, the missions are done. Because the mission keeps changing, so the story keeps changing, oh, so the wow. dialogue keeps changing, right? So we're so we're building like most of it, and then we're building the cutscenes, and then and then we say, okay, now we can start bringing the talent, and then and then that comes in so late, then we're rushing to then to then hook up the VO and get and and change the timing on the cutscenes, the timings on the little mini contacts that pop up on the left side, um, and so then you're hooking all those up, and so so we recorded everything in. Um, in like late May, uh, like April and early May, um, and then scrambling to get all the VO and as well as all the sound effects, everything hooked up, and then try to get the music in. So, the music came in like I don't know. It started coming in a, a couple days before, like the, the the week, the Thursday and Friday before we released. Um, wow. So so yeah, so it came in it came in pretty pretty uh, pretty late, but. Um, it's yeah. just it's just the nature nature of things because he was so busy at the same time Neverwinter has a big release and they had a lot of VO work too and so he services both both teams so he was working a, a long time um, and we're doing late things like uh, um, what's his name um, Alexander Siddig, Bashir he's in Europe so we were recording we were recording him in Europe so it was like a late uh, a late night session to record that one so um, just to, because of the time differences so. Um, yeah, that music came in pretty late, but Michael's all o- Michael and the audio department has always come through they they catch everything so
1: well Please extend our congratulations to them because uh, Anthony I'm glad you brought this up because one of the first things I noticed logging into Deep Space Nine was that really beautiful and seamless melody and yeah, for, for being under the wire that's a sign of an excellent composer. Um so uh,
4: you know, kudos to him. I will I will pass that along and he is an amazing composer. I mean I've I've been
3: playing, you know, Stowe since it launched and I've I've listened to that sector music over and over again and <laughs> and and you know I Deep Space Sign is one of my favorite locations in the game and when I, when I, cause I, and I played on Tribble a little bit, and I remember when I logged into the game for the first time and that music hit, I, it just, I, I, I literally stopped moving my character and just listened to the music because it really brought me, and I, I was like, oh my God, I'm here. I'm on Deep Space Nine and I'm about to be involved in these missions with, um, with these other characters, yeah.
4: yeah. If you can, if you can uh, be at a moment in Star Trek Online and hear the music and see the assets, and it kind of, and it makes you feel like you are in the show before you even playing, then, you know, then, then I think then I'm very pleased that at the work that we did. As part of X4, Deep Space Nine got
2: a. Massive revamp and is absolutely fantastic, but I'm curious: how long did it take the team to actually get that all done? Because it wasn't just the interior; it was the
4: exterior as well. Probably a good question to get, the, get more details from the artist uh, when they're back, when they're on the show mm-hmm. with you guys. So Nick had a large Nick and Thomas had uh, a lot to do with that, but uh, um, I, I, Nick started working on the revamp of Deep Space Nine, I think, uh, quite a while ago he wanted to get that in uh and he got some of it done it was this was about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. maybe more and uh, wasn't we weren't able to get it done so we put it aside and said we'll just save it for when we do our you know our East space nine expansion right um so i think i mean and and he talks a lot about it in that video when he's bringing the celebrities through. He, he, he researched I don't want to steal his thunder too much but you know he researched the plans the blueprints are available online yeah. so he found the blueprints for, for the stage and then the dimensions of the stage the stu- the, 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 that the set was built in are, is also available online so he's able to cross-reference the blueprints with the stage mm-hmm. to determine actually how big Space Nine was right, and then meticulously going through screenshots everywhere, and and between that and blueprints, and then uh, guidebooks, and then they never built the entire ring of the habitat ring. Right, they only right. built like maybe 100, 120 degrees of it, or something, or maybe maybe not even that much, and locations moved. Uh, the jumbo stick and the Klingon deli had moved multiple times, and so, but we so and we never saw the other sides of the ring. So he just kind of populated everything out with what was there throughout the show in different locations. Um, and yeah, I mean that that took them months. I mean that was just months and months of work. I I, I don't remember how long. And um, and then the ex exter- the ex the the outside of Space 9 was something that we wanted to do, and then we weren't able to do, and then we were able to get. Thomas was able to get in touch with um, an artist who I I'm, I'm sorry I forgot his name. So hopefully when you talk to Thomas, you can you yeah. can uh, uh, call him out. But uh, he had been in this artist had been involved in the remaster of uh, of I think TNG, and so he's he's a he's a known Star Trek artist, and he and he started making the remastered model of Deep space nine because I think he was going to use it for. Either the uh, show it off in the uh, the new Deep Space Nine um, documentary, or if they digitally remastered Deep Space Nine, but it hadn't been used yet. So he already had the model. We just needed him to create a low-poly version, mm-hmm, right? right? Uh, for a, a game, a game level version. So basically, you just take you take uh, what all all your millions of polygons you have in it, and you take some of them and you flatten them out and turn them into materials, so it looks like there's more depth mm-hmm. in, in, the, in, in the model than there is. Uh, and so basically, so we outsourced the, exter- the outside of D Space nine, So we, you know, we hired him to to build that, and then we brought it in, and then we did our adjustments. Thomas did whatever he did do to make it work, and so we got. So we we were able to get that in because we just we just did not have the time to also do the, out- the outside model. So we uh, we outsourced that.
1: Yeah, the artist is uh, Tobias Richter. Thank you. The, um, yep,
4: yep. My apologies to Tobias for forgetting his name, but yes, he's done a lot of stuff for Star Trek. Uh, uh, not not Star Trek Online, but for Star Trek itself in, in the past. So he's uh, he's a well-known ship and Star Trek artist. Well, again, a huge thanks and congratulations should go
2: to the guys because uh, they've done an absolutely fantastic job. And I know for myself, I've been one of those people that's always been, when's the Deep Space Nine revamp ha- happening? You know, <laughs> and uh, it's just it, it's better than anyone could have ever thought it would be. You know
4: all of them the 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 herc deep space yeah. nine the interior the exterior the other the the other locations the uh the starships the ships, Dominion yeah. vanguard ships mm-hmm. they're just so badass looking yeah. uh, um and uh, so yeah vis- visually it's uh, it's stunning and spot on the character faces are amazing and so all the artists just uh and then of course and, and and certainly not to forget weston's animation that brings it all to life so the artist really knocked it out of the park. Definitely. So what is the
1: next big thing that is going to get a revamp? Uh, and what's going to happen the moment that there are no systems left
4: to revamp? <laughs> systems? Uh, what's going to... Well, uh, Or missions. Yeah. I I, um, I think that probably yeah, what I will talk about, uh, two things that we want to do, and without getting into specifics, that you will probably see within the next one or two seasons that come out is a update to the queue system. Nice. And uh, so I've talked about this before, but we now have a plan in actively working on updating the queue system as far as making sure people get to participate in all the queues that they want. Um, as well as um, one of the things that we've, a trap that we've fallen into is um, all of our best work is at the end of the game. Right, so all the celebrities are at the end, and all and all the really all the all the all our best and favorite missions because we've been developing one linear storyline, right? And every story leads to the next, and so logically it just comes after the other one it comes after the other one. So new players coming in the game don't get to experience our best content until they get to the end of the game. So we want to change that. Um, the form that will take, I will not say anymore, but we want to make sure that new players get to see our our best stuff sooner.
2: Interesting. I know a lot of people are going to be very happy t- uh, about the news there about the PVE queues. Very excited about that because uh, you've talked about it here before.
4: Yeah, we have a lot of good plans for that. So informed on both of those things, uh, when and how those will take place. I won't get into the details, but but um, but soon, tm. Awesome.
1: So we've we've spoken a lot about the overall development of X4 and then of course it's release. Let's let's try to get let's get a little nitty-gritty with some of the systems and um
2: features that came
1: with Expansion 4. Uh
2: Winters, so I'm curious as to why you guys didn't decide to do server-wide challenges this time with the current Gamma recruitment event like you did with uh Delta Rising and the Temporal recruitment event.
4: I'm sure there's no like mystery there. It's just they're a pain in the ass, and <laughs> right. didn't have the time. <laughs> that's an honest answer. If
2: I've ever heard an honest answer, that's, that's it. That's <laughs> it right just, there.
4: Yeah, they 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 are just they're hard to make work. Right. And yeah. They and it's like well. No, let's not bother. Let's focus on let's focus on what's important. Yeah, yeah, uh, There, there's so yeah, that's it. So, v-
3: veterans get a lot of benefits. Um, you know, v- uh, lifetime members of veterans get a lot of benefits in the game. We have veteran ships for other factions. Are there any plans for uh, a veteran
4: ship for the Jemadar faction? Um, possibly uh, a T five uh, ship. Maybe, maybe. I I, I don't want to. It has been discussed where there has been, uh, uh, and so we want to see where we can find time in the schedule to make that happen, but I don't know uh, if and when. So, it's a reasonable chance, but not a a promise.
1: You know, that actually, the whole veteran stuff brings up the blog post regarding the change to the subscription model, or rather the removal of the monthly subscription plan. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever had the opportunity of talking about that. I know it's we're diverting a little bit away from X4. And I don't know if you can comment on any of the, the decision-making behind removing the monthly.
4: I don't really have much to say as entirely was a business decision. It's, it's not really my, my purview or my, you know, or anything that I have to do, you know, have to do with it. I, I, I think we just, uh, just want to not confuse the user with multiple choices. You can play for free or you can, or, or, or buy a lifetime. And that's just, uh, and, and if, if you don't want that then you can I mean if you if you remember you know if you, if you are either a lifetime or a subscriber, you buy one month subscriptions and you automatically unlock all these perks right you get the, you get the slots and and you increase your maxes on things and I can't forgot all the d- things that you would get from that but you got to keep it if you canceled your subscription right, right? So, so we just let so we just sell that pack. you can just buy that pack of like uh, uh, directly and so. So it's just it's just a matter of simplifying simplifying things and making and you know our lifetime, our lifetime members are a they tend to play forever, and so yes I do we like that uh, and so me as well <laughs> me as well <laughs> and so we want to encourage that we want to encourage the Lifetimers.
2: While we're still just talking about ships, um, I'm a little curious: will we see more Jemadar ships in the future? Considering. The change that you guys recently made to the Romulans. Uh-huh. Yes, we will see more, more Jamfandar ships in the future. All right, that's cool.
1: So the very first community question comes from our patron, the Hayden family. I really like the Vanguard wingman mechanic. Might this be a stepping stone to promoting our bridge officers to captain so they can fly our other ships? Also, could we please get a filter to hide one-use Admiralty ships?
4: It's an interesting observation. We had considered the bridge officers in space having, you know, having multiple ships in space at one time, and we kind of um, said, "Oh, we we don't know. It's going to be hard because of a, a lot of reasons. Not not a, uh, one of them being just controlling them." Um, being a problem, uh, as well as just the amount of data work to get it done. And so we kind of put it aside for a while. And then when we were, des- when we were designing the Jem'Hadar ships, we decided um, so what, what kind of, do we want to add a mechanic? We usually add a mechanic when we do something like this. And so what's the mechanic going to be for these? And when we started doing the tutorials, like, you know, Jem'Hadar attack ships never fly solo. They always have two wingmen. They always fly in threes. Can we do wingmen as a, as a mechanic? And so Jeremy and his team put that together and did a lot more with it than I expected. So I think, yeah, they've kind of greased the wheels a lot. To You know, maybe we can revisit um, having, a, you know, bridge officers in space. Um, I wonder what that'd be like to have, you know, if you had four bridge officers in space. You know, when I say bridge officers, just you know, basically one of your other ships would be flying with you. And four of those also were all Jem'Hadar ships. And if they all had... Wingmen, wingmen. Then that would be a lot of ships on your side. So I don't know. We'd have a lot of um, things that we'd have to figure out. It's still a feature I've wanted for many years, and I think yeah, we might be one step closer uh, to maybe pulling that off. Um, can we hide a single-use admiralty ships? Um, I hadn't considered it, but um, may, uh, uh, sure. I, I guess we could we could look into that. Um, um, I'll, I'll see what see what Thomas can do about that since he's our UI guy. Can
1: we look into deltas while you're at it? Into deltas? Yeah, remember? What? Remember my deltas? Your Where delta. it shows you when you upgrade a gear, how it compares. Oh, that you deltas. You oh, yeah, we've
4: wanted that forever, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 something I'd, I'd uh, sigh, I've wanted for a while, too. So, yeah, we, it's, it's, it's on the big whiteboard. The big whiteboard of, like, wonderful things we want to do one day.
2: So our next question comes from uh, Chris Keen, and he wants to know, was there a graphical update with X4? Because he has two desktop PCs that now have a
4: ghosting effect. I don't know anything about it. I, I'm not aware of... There's, there's been no no graphical update to X4 that, that I am aware of. So. All right. I, I'm, and I'm not aware of any ghosting, ghosting issues. I'm sure it's a legitimate issue, but I don't... Sorry, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person. Joshua Selig writes in,
1: Will we return at some point to temporal activities and perhaps introduce Gary7, DTI, and the Aegis into Star Trek Online?
4: We will always have more temporal shenanigans in Star Trek Online. We are a game that handles every era and every, uh, every universe and every style of Star Trek. We have license to all and we'll always support all of them so that will require time travel shenanigans in some form um specifically gary seven and anyone else i don't know but um yeah more we we will travel to different universes and time and timelines throughout all of star trek so more of that will 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 certainly come in the future
2: so our next question comes from Thon of Andoria and they say is there any plans to allow Jemadar characters to acquire more customizable Jemadar bridge officers like Romulans can?
4: Um, by customizable I don't know if they mean like by powers or by 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 costume. By costume Probably not more customizable, other than what's what's there. Um, and all Hadar bridge officers should have, you know, access to the same costume options as the player one. And of course, if you buy a Vanguard Jem'Hadar, you get more uh, uh, costume options as well. But for whatever reasons, Hadar bridge officers uh, did not end up in the store, and that was a shortcoming. Uh, we will be adding Hadar's as purchasable bridge officers in the Jem'Hadar store for Hadar characters. Uh, only, uh, we will. So we'll, will yeah. Players will be able to access to be able to buy more than the what seven we give I think, you. In the I beginning? think it's seven. Yeah, we give you seven. Yeah, we give you an, uh, uh, enough to equip any, any of the any of the Jem'Hadar ships. But we will, we will make more of them.
2: Well, that actually raises another question. Um, you know how Romulans can recruit bridge officers from new Romulus command through duty officer missions. Would there be anything like that introduced at some point, maybe in the future?
4: Uh, duty officers, duty officer missions to get you bridge, bridge officer recruits. Right. Yeah. Um, sure, I, I, I guess so. That's something Jeremy should probably do. So we'll make him do that. Right. Um, uh, there, there's a, what, Once we have the, what we call them, algo bridge officers, so we have to build mm. the algorithmically generated bridge officers, so that way they can, they're not... You know, we don't build three bridge officers there. Every single one is yeah. randomly generated with what skills they have and what what their face looks like and that sort of thing. So that's a whole thing that has to be built. And then once they're algo, then then you can give them out as random rewards. And so they all look different. They're all they're all different cool. at that point. So that is uh, the algo bridge officers are on the are on the list and uh, is something we will we will catch up on doing. Uh, there's a couple little things that we that we missed that we didn't do. For instance, Cardassian playable Cardassians. ...didn't get their Cardassian uniform, and I'm not quite sure why, but that has been resolved, and so by the next update, I think by the next update, if you have a Cardassian, you'll be able to dress your Cardassian in a standard Cardassian uniform, uh, So, and, and, and additional Bridge Officers for purchase was another one that was mixed, I think also the Jem'Hadar um, Halberd got missed, so that needs to go into the store as well somewhere, or perhaps as a reward. I don't know where that's gonna go. So there's a couple things that, that got missed um, and that the players should look forward to getting those soon. Cool.
1: Waldo WaldoTrek had a question about doffs. Uh, will colonization assignments be added to Dominion territory at some date? Also, will a player hub be put in at some later date?
4: By Dominion territory, does Waldo mean the Gamma Quadrant, I guess? Yeah, I would imagine so. I don't Probably, know. There are actually a lot of work. It is is something that needs to happen. I cannot give you a date on when that will happen, as far uh, uh, but um, so so probably. As far as a new uh, a player hub, uh, no. Deep Space Nine is the is the uh, is the um, is the social hub for Jem'Hadar. Hadar. There's a little there's a little room in in there's a room in uh, there's a Dominion room in in Deep Space Nine that is the hub for. Uh, for for Dominion players, for Jem'Hadar players, so that that's that's we don't want to split people up any further. Okay, so I have a question to ask.
2: There's been no mention at all about the summer event. What is the dealio?
4: <laughs> okay, I was waiting for the question. <laughs> um, there there there's no dealio. It's just the the summer uh, events coming. Oh, phew. No worries. If, no. That's if that's if that's what you want to know. Yes, there is a summer event, but we're focusing on keeping all our attention on uh, on Victory's Life right. right now. They just happen to be really close, and so we might delay the summer event by a little bit to make sure that we cause let people experience Victory's yeah. Life, and then when that excitement dies down, we have our summer event. It won't be too long, I'm sure. Yeah, because uh, there was some concern uh, within the community,
2: and um, it's like, well, we really should be hearing something about it. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I'd
4: just ask. Now, we don't like to to to... Mix our messages. We, you know, when, when, we're, when we're promoting something or if we're marketing something, uh, everything wants to be on, 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 all, you know, on message. Right now, message is. With Deep Space Nine, Victory is yep. Life. That's the message. So we don't want to dilute that with the summer event right now.
3: Uh, so you recently made the analogy that on the eve of the release for Victory is Life, that you and your team felt a little bit like Doc Brown at the end of Back to the Future, setting up one wire only to have another wire disconnect, and then you know finally pulling it off at the last minute. I'm. I'm. I've always been curious, you know. And feel free to not answer this question if you don't want to show how the sausage is made. But what is it like in the office on the day of release? Uh, you know, can you take us through sort of step by step uh, the process? Uh, you know, of you releasing the update, bringing the servers down, rele- you know, patching it. Releasing the update, having it go live, and then what you're looking for throughout the day, and then how you plan, because you you know there's always inevitably things you have to fix and 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 patch you know later that week, and and so sort of like your preparation for that and in, in that
4: one day. I'll I'll tell you a little bit about it. It's more of a probably more of a more of a question for production, but uh, normally we we have um, when we're doing a season release, we're usually we're usually far ahead. Uh, and and things are built and they're tested and 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 they're ready to go in the can for for release date. We uh, we fell a little behind on X4 because well we, we raised the bar a lot and and uh, and so so we fell a little more behind than usual, certainly a lot more than I would be comfortable with, but um, but you know like anything else you're, you're you 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 build the product and then they they make a, a build and they put it on the internal test server and QA tests it and the leads test it and then they get feedback and it goes back to the team okay fix this change this and then it gets it gets big and you built and you just keep repeating that process, um, but a, a, a lot of stuff came in late. What one of the, some of the things that came in late was well the audio which we talked about before because we had so much audio we have um, we have. Uh, of all of X4, including stuff that you haven't seen yet, there's something like 47 minutes or more of cutscenes. So there's a lot. So there's wow. a lot of v, there's a lot of VO, and that VO has to be timed. The, 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 the animation has to be timed and synced to that VO. So and a lot of that, like I said, has to come in late because you have to finish the content first. That way, when you bring in an expensive actor, that you know they, we don't. We don't want to have to pay them double to come back to do some pickup lines. Um, so you have to make sure every every the story, the script, and everything is done the way you like it, and the gameplay has to be like it because the gameplay is going to affect the script. And so that has to come in late, and that means the audio comes in late. That means the music comes in late. That means the sound effects come in late. That means the uh, then you have to tune the audio, tune the audio, and tune the volumes, uh, and that all comes in at the last minute. And then our what what really started getting us was at the last minute the reason why I made that comment was we um, the uh, the thing that tripped us up was just something silly it was the um the trailer the the, the trailer that the the new the new d space 9 trailer Victor's life trailer that plays when you if you make a new Jemadar character it plays that trailer um, and but when you also start the very first thing that happens in in Victor's life, if you play the Gem Hadar character, when you when you play the first mission, we call it Episode Zero, uh, the episode that's only playable by Jin Hadar, it also plays a trailer. It plays a little. It plays a little. Plays a little cutscene. And we did not. The trailer is made by marketing. We don't make it. It's made by Perfect World, but Perfect World uses, if you've seen the trailer, use a lot of scenes that we had created in our cutscenes. So they were waiting for last minute cutscenes, but our cutscene guy, Weston, was waiting for some last minute lighting changes to some environment. So although Perfect World had finished the trailer, they didn't have the final cutscene cut pieces because we didn't have the final lighting. And so the lighting came in like Wednesday last week, the final lighting. I mean, it's a real tiny little thing that wasn't, wasn't gonna hold up the release of the gameplay, but they wanted final lighting. And so when the lighting came in, then the cutscenes had to be re, uh, retooled, and then that cutscene had to go, then had to be cut and sent to, to Perfect World. So Perfect World didn't send us the final trailer until, until Friday, and then Friday, we hooked it up. and now we can't actually test the trailer for technical reasons until an, a, a build is made and it's on a test server. We can't test it locally for technical reasons. It's just silly, but um, so, And it takes two hours to make a build. So we made it, it seemed, it's, everything seemed right, everyone went home for the weekend, and then they QA and production tested it, and the cutscene wasn't playing. Like, oh no, the cutscene's not playing. Oh no. Not, not, but not only the cutscene isn't playing, excuse me, not only the trailer wasn't playing, but the, the, the introductory cutscene wasn't playing, so they both weren't playing. Was, oh no. So we're supposed to be on Tuesday, so Monday, we spent all Monday trying to figure out why that wasn't working. And we loaded up, it worked locally, the trail the, the cutscene played locally but of course we can't test the trailer so it seemed fine we put we make a build two hours later still not working um, and then and then we said okay how about we do we run a command called re, respawn at start so basically reset we type a command and then it, it played so it's perking working perfectly if you restart it and so so engineering and, and content and everyone was trying to figure out why isn't this playing and every time we'd fix one another one would break and <laughs> And and it just it ended up being a thing with um, with uh, uh, starting a, a when you get to when you get to play as a Gemindar right you get a level sixty character well that is a character that our systems team had built so it's a new thing it's a new it's a new exported container and so that way everybody you know you have all you have all your gear you have it's it's not a new character well there was something really weird about the way that character was exported and its starting position was slightly off than the start position where the character is supposed to start. So when he comes into, into the game, he wasn't in his start position, so the cutscene didn't play. But when you do res- res- reset, it resets and puts him in the right position, oh. and then it triggers the cutscene. So it was complete had nothing to do with the cutscene, wow. had nothing to do with content, had to do with the export of the character, and then it was like, yes, that's it, and we did it. But you can't test it until two hours later. So And so I think they were there until 10 o'clock just trying to figure out that stupid little bug, and then like at 10 o'clock at night it worked, and then we said, okay, we're done. And everybody went home, and then we published it on Tuesday. but. It was just a, had, like everything was done, everything was ready to go, but this trailer came in late because the light, because the animation was, because the animation didn't have the final lighting, and and we couldn't test it until we built it. And it was, it should have just been a plug-and-play thing. Like we had something, we had the hooks ready to go. It just like, you know, insert trailer here. It even had a name already. We just needed to. And it had a stub that did nothing. So silly little thing. Game was working fine. That just that. So that one was just a little hectic. Um, I even was had the day off, like I had taken that Monday off because I had family in town, but I just came in at the end of the day just because we had an emergency. Um, so yeah, it was a little behind the scenes thing, but it's just the kind of thing that <laughs> happens. And we were ready to go; everyone was done, and it was just we were just doing all this polishing and this last minute stuff just to make it perfect. And then this one little hiccup happens, and so, and it just really stinks that we had to wait like two hours between each test. So it sounds like. The Tuesday of the launch probably was the easiest day of the week. Oh, yeah, everyone's just like, there's nothing you can do. It's going out, broken or not. It's going out, <laughs> right? So wow. if it, so, it's like, yeah, you're, everyone everyone was chill on Tuesday. And then you just start watching the numbers and people and all the praise. And numbers were great. And people were loving it. And, you know, it was a nice sigh of relief. And it was just, its uh, you're running on adrenaline at that point. It was like, wow, it's great. Look at all. Look how excited everyone is. Look what they're buying. Look what they're saying. Look how they love Look how they love the story, how they love, you know, how they love the gameplay, and yeah, it was great.
1: So Al, tell us a little bit about what the next six months hold uh, for Star Trek Online, or even even into the year. You know, what are you excited for?
4: Well, you know, I don't like talking too much about about exactly where we're going to go. Obviously, we've got the summer event coming up, and then, you know, we're actually already planning our winter event and our anniversary. It's it's, it's a little ways, but it's going to going to get there really soon going to be we're planning our vegas trip um many of us including myself will will be there and um so we'll have some big news there but you know we've mentioned last year at vegas and 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 i can you know certainly say that that in in the coming timeline we will be seeing uh you know uh we'll be seeing some discovery stuff that's 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 what CBS Ooh. is excited about. That's what we're excited about. And So, oh. I mentioned you know we represent all eras of Star Trek. So we want to explore, uh, we want to explore uh, that that universe and those characters, that story.
3: I, I did. I was interested to know since the, since CBS has brought um, Star Trek back to television, has your relationship with CBS changed at all? Have they been more directly involved with the game, or are they looking to you to help promote what they're doing through the game?
4: Yeah, our, our relationship with CBS has changed. They're, they are um, far more protective and. And hands-on with anything discovery-related. I mean, we've already released the Crossfield uh, and Walker class and the, and the uh, sarcophagus ship, um, so their their attention to the details are, are is is uh, much greater. So we're communicating with them more. We're communicating more directly about you know what we do in the future. Um, it's in the past. Um, they were far less protective. They at first they they were hands-on with us, and once they saw that we understood and, and respected the IP. They kind of backed off a lot and just kind of gave us a lot of free reign because um, they trusted what we were doing. But now they are, um, this is this is a really important property to them and they're, everything they're doing, their branding of it, if you'll start seeing pa- the packaging of their goods, all has the same kind of packaging style. Was that we were actually in on the meeting where they were talking about their their, how they brand the packages for all things Star Trek, um, not just Discovery, but beyond it. It's all cohesive now, so everything is cohesive. Um, how we brand everything. So, um, yeah, there were a lot more hands-on, but just also a lot more collaboration, which is which is fantastic.
3: Do you feel like that that's had a positive impact on the game?
4: It not yet because we haven't done much right we've only released yeah. those those couple of Discovery ships but uh, in future releases I think it will have a huge positive effect on the game uh, in ways that, that will become clear it's also been a lot harder right it's been a lot harder um, to uh, because it's a lot more approval so it's slower and mm-hmm. it's a lot more and um, and Discovery still, still active right they haven't mm-hmm. even, you know they haven't obviously even finished season two And so with with all of everything else Star Trek, I've got 50 years of of Star Trek TV shows and movies to draw upon and different different hooks and different story elements and loose threads. And now we're talking about 15 episodes of tightly, tightly written, you know, narrative with not a lot of, you know, extraneous characters or weird aliens of the week and all that stuff was, was was. was really good, uh, you know, resources for us like oh, Iconians, Herc, right? All these things that are just kind of vaguely mentioned in Star Trek and relationships with one-off characters and stuff that really are the seeds of what we do for Star Trek Online, and that's not the same for Discovery, right? So, um, and what they're going and what they're going to do, since they're still working on it. Like if I was if I wanted to do a story about the Herc, well, there's no. No more Deep Space Nine, right? But if I wanted to do, do something about, I don't know, anything, a particular character, I don't know if they're going to kill him next week, <laughs> right? right? So, yeah. So, so it's it's uh, so uh, a lot more challenging to write to, uh, to 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 uh, to do, but it's also much more exciting, and uh, will yes, I think will will pay off in dividends.
1: That's awesome. Well, Al, we're at the part of the show I think where uh, we can open the mic up to you. Is there anything we haven't spoken about, or something you wanted to touch on that we didn't uh, discuss?
4: I I'd like to I I am I'm, I'm very excited about the story and and um, I would I I'd like to know what what you guys think. What were you, some of your favorite episodes, and what do you think of, um, I, I just what, what do you where do you think the story is going? Which 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 your what's uh, what are your uh, what do you think's going to happen and what and and what did you enjoy the most, and maybe what you didn't like as much um, I, i'd like to and and yeah, I'd like to know your thoughts on it because i I've played them all a dozen times, and I've got all kinds of things and of course um, and of course this was everything was completely bug free, so there was no trouble whatsoever um, <laughs> but uh, so i'd like to know what was your experience
3: i well whenever whenever new story content comes out on STO, I always try to isolate myself as best as I can, put my headphones on, get into the world and into the game uh, with as few outside distractions as possible, and also take my time playing the game, listen to every cutscene, read every bit of dialogue, and really immerse myself in the story. And I will be honest, this is this is easily the best content um, as far as like a cohesive story. I think you guys have put out... Uh, since the game started, and I've I've been playing since closed beta, so I've seen all of the changes that this game has gone through, and um, it just keeps getting better and better. And I gotta mention Weston one more time because I, he he's I, in my opinion I think he's your VIP for this release. Um, the cutscenes, the animations in the cutscenes, the facial expressions of of my character, of the other characters in the story. It just adds so much to the experience that I didn't even know I was missing. I mean, everything that you guys have done since, um, you know, the redesign of, of, of Earth Space Dock and, and all the stories, the Delta Rising, um, the Iconian War I mean, all of that stuff was fantastic. And the story connections that you make with the television shows have been, you know, just 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 makes my Trekky heart flutter and then to add this talent of storytelling that you've brought in and to create such a robust story for us to play through has I mean it's it's just Elevated my experience playing the game. I can't express that enough. That I really enjoy this story. Um, Easily, Quark's Lucky Seven is probably my favorite uh, episode and mission out of all of them. Uh, It's just so fun. And I, I, you know, you, you had mentioned that comedy is hard to do, and you guys, you guys, I agree with you, and I, you guys, nailed it. And I think that, um, I think that you guys will have the restraint to be able to do those types of stories and missions sparingly in the future so that it doesn't become like a gimmick. And I look forward to those future moments of that. And I think the only the only thing that I felt negatively about at all, and it's such a minor thing, was I just felt the whole the whole plot line about the Herc being predecessors to the Dar was just telegraphed a little too early. I, and so I was waiting for that reveal be, and I I, I, I kind of knew it was coming a little sooner than I than I would have wanted and just was waiting for that to, to happen. And I mean, that's such a minor thing. Every, you know, everything else was so great and interacting with my favorite um, Star Trek characters has been a complete joy. And I just want to thank you and thank the entire team.
4: Well, that, that's really high praise. I, I, I really appreciate that. Um. You know, I, I thank you very much. Uh, you know, we work really hard on it, and you, you just don't know—you just don't know how people are going to receive it while you're working on it. And while you're working on it, sometimes all you see are the problems and the bugs, and you're just working on—you know—it's my job to kind of look at things at the whole. But even even in that position, it's hard not to just focus on this, fix this thing, change this thing, fix this thing, and hoping that that it all—you know—everybody. Everyone's everyone's working on the tiny little bit, and how it, you know when it all magically comes together, all this it it just comes together really fast at the end, and so you just don't know how people are going to expect it, how they're going to um, receive it. Uh, something like Quark's Lucky Seven, um, we did not know if anyone would like it. Maybe they're going to hate it because it's not a particularly combat-heavy experience, uh, you know. It's, uh, it's, you know, you're playing Quark and he's, you know, he's, he's not, he's no combatant. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, you're playing with Lita and Rom and they don't even have any powers on their, on their power tray. So an entirely different type of gameplay that was risky very risky. Not only just that whether or not the people would like it, but it was expensive to build and it was expensive to pay for that much talent. Um, so I'm just really overjoyed that people, uh, like yourself have been enjoying it and praising it so much. And yeah, you're right. We don't want to turn that into a gimmick where you're always, you know, always doing something like that. I think we'll come back to that in the future, but it's only when it says, Hey, you know what? This might be a good place for that. As opposed to when can we use it again? So, um, We'll, we'll stay with that. I'm curious. What what do you think telegraphed um, too much about about the Herc? Now, to be fair, but the Herc aren't really predecessors of the Jem'Hadar, but they were certainly involved. They they, they the the, the uh, founders thought maybe they could use them as a the predecessor, right? But right. instead, they were able to use their 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 fungal enzyme as a, prede- as a predecessor to the Ketra cell. Right. Um, right. So, but what, what, I mean, I, I'm sure there was telegraphing moments when we were trying to, but sometimes it's hard to tell when you like, whether or not you telegraph too much or too little.
3: I think the, I, I, I guess it was the moment when the, um, Canister of kerosene white broke and splashed oh, yeah. onto the Herc, and that's no,
4: kind of that's that's kind of the, the point. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. And
3: I and 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 it was like okay, but I think I think for me I I and I could it could be because I. It may have been because I played the the second to last episode and the last episode uh, like a day later. Like I played all of them except for the last one on the day of release, and then I played. But you
4: got you got the you got the the catcher so white, the the doomed to repeat, and the doom Station, the Then you go right to the magnificent Ferengi, and then oh maybe that's um, what it was. Yeah, and so I right, and then and then the next and, and then, then, then the, Yeah, at the
3: end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I there was a lot of dialogue. I think where. Um, Bashir has some dialogue where he's like, "Oh well, maybe." Like I just felt like he was uh, he was skirting around the issue a little bit, as opposed mm-hmm. to um, like I-, I was kind of like, "Okay, I you know I know that this is coming, so how come yeah. Bashir's not smarter than me?"
4: Yeah, I, there's a, a lot a lot of it. A lot of it. Yeah, there there was we, we what what I was trying to do there was you know we had all this history. I mean, there's this huge timeline sheet that I that I wrote up about everything way back from like the beginning of the Dominion or before the beginning of the Dominion, all the way through, including like the Fekiri Wars and the and the and the and when the hatching of the Herc and when and, like all the all the stuff that's from canon, and then interlacing all the stuff that we made up, such as you know the Founders finding the Herc and the Founders. And, and releasing the Herc and that kind of and 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 when and when they did certain things and so we said okay we had all these bits that we had to tell and we had to decide what parts we wanted to reveal when so we reveal a little bit like really early on and then we reveal a whole bunch of it in doom to repeat on the ancient Dominion station and then everything else for the most part at um, in Tenebris Torquin at, at the Herc homeworld And so I was trying to decide which pieces should be released when, because maybe we could have can we hold back some more. But you know, so it's a it's a it's a lot of story, uh, a lot of story to tell there. And I would have loved to have told it over a few more episodes, but you know, there's just. There's, there's, there's just only so much you can do. Yeah, in a certain amount of time. <laughs> yeah, um, and I,
3: I worked in, uh, I worked in film for four years. I worked on film sets, and so I completely understand. Number one, what you were saying about a lot of little pieces coming together to create the whole, and I also understand that you know you. You know you you, you got to make the best choices you can for what you are trying to deliver and and hope for the best so and um, and like I said it was such a minor yeah. thing it, it it just it the, the entire story and I'm so excited to see where it goes I think it I think it it cut off the cliffhangers at an appropriate moment um, there was a little bit of closure there's some mystery with Dukon Rex and I'm excited to see where it goes and uh to be honest, I have no idea and I don't really wanna know. I want you to tell me. I want you to take me on that yeah. journey.
4: Does does anybody does everyone know who Dukon Rex is? Does everyone has everyone put that together?
3: Yes. I mean I did.
4: Yeah, he's he's the Gemma that they found on Deep Space Nine the as, as a child yeah he's the ba- he's the baby jim right. yeah yeah there the was a lore story
3: too. there was a lore story about that i think yes too, specifically
4: th- there, there is yeah so well, not everybody reads those lore stories so for those yeah. who de- didn't if you, you from D space nine i remember odo fe- founds uh finds a, ba- a baby uh jimmy uh, dar uh, uh, actually out and, like,
3: actually out quark found the baby and then quark, quark found uh, the baby
4: in a bunch of stuff that, they, that yes <laughs> uh and, and um and so he grows up into a, a, a you know like teenage, angry teenage Hadar and Odo tries to make him, tries to, uh, and, you know, I don't know, he tries to assimilate him into, into normal society, but he can't. He's just programmed to kill, right? Like a Zorpa so, uh, Exactly what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Oh he, come on! Tell me you got the the brick and the brick and Morty. Record. Oh, brick and Morty Zorpa Okay, yes, now I do. I did. I forgot. <laughs> sorry um so yeah so he he's um so we got the same actor bumper robinson plays that plays that character and so he's now he's been like uh, odo's you know trusted jem hadar because they and they have a relationship a, a special relationship that really no founder and jem hadar have ever had before so um so he, he, he's an important character and he's kind of like a mirror for the player who's going through this journey. If you play as a Jem'Hadar through the story, you get a different dialogue and a different experience than you do if you play as a, as a non-Jem'Hadar character. And so you get more of a personal experience as, as, as Dukan Rex talks to you and mentors you and kind of shares his personal feelings about what's going on, his feelings about Odo and his feelings about the other founders. And, and everything that's happening in the Dominion so you get a different you get a different story that way so and, and I do want to give a shout out we've been talking about Weston a lot about how, about his great animations but I also want to give a shout out to to our um, environment lead um, and base and uh, who's uh, Scott Boyd who's also um, our film guy so he's he's been working with Weston Scott does all the storyboards so I, we spent myself Weston and Scott have spent many hours uh in conference rooms just while well, scott while well, i'm explaining the story and scott is writing the storyboards and then weston then brings it to life from the storyboards and so, that's a
3: new that's a new process for you right with that this is a, that is
4: a new pro that is a new process for us and i think you can see the huge difference in quality because of it scott has a background in film and he was going to get into film but got into video games so he's kind of sad that he didn't get to use those skills and so now he's able to use them so he's very excited about that so he's been doing all of our storyboards and been doing great scenes and angles like like one of my favorite little moments is when when and someone thought it was a bug which is great because we're we're, we're garrick you just rescue Quark, and Garrett goes up to to, to... to, Starts talking to Quark, and you don't see Quark there. You think it's broken. And you hear him talking, and then he pokes his head out a little sideways from behind the crate. <laughs> yeah. And it's just... It's just <laughs> and it's such a great little kind of funny, cute moment of you know Quark cowering behind the crates. And it was just something that, you know... I that,
2: thought it was a bug. <laughs>
4: yeah, you think it's a bug, and then yeah. he pokes his head out. Um, and... Um, uh, and that was just like Scott, you know, draw, you know, <laughs> him, him storyboarding that, right? Uh, and if you play, one of the things you may or may not notice in Magnificent Ferengi, it's constantly going. The, the cut scenes are constantly going back between in the past and present yes. and recent past, right? And you'll notice that the camera pans in the same direction whenever it's going to a different time, mm. right? So the camera pans up, I think, to go in the past, and pans down when it's going to the to 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 current so it's just trying to teach that language of when you're when you're when you're when the cutscene is a you know is a uh 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 you know when the cutscene is showing the events of the past so so a lot of credit goes to scott for directing this too so he would be our i don't know you'd call it what a director of cinematography kind of kind of person so lots lots of lots of talent came together to make this happen for sure uh, has anybody participated in the uh, new battle zone? We haven't talked at all about the new battle zone, the sector battle zone. Con- uh, I haven't had the opportunity. Cause yes, new. new... Okay, because it's a very new style of gameplay that we we haven't done before.
3: I I did participate a little bit on Tribble, and I I did a little bit. I did the final battle a couple times um, on Holodeck.
4: Okay, well, so, so those who don't know how it works, you've got. Um, you, if you're in the Gamma Quadrant, you'll, there's a little briefing, so it'll t- tell you a little bit about it. And, you, and if you open the, the Quadrant map, will come up and you'll see three squares, a green, red, and a blue one. And that's where the Herc are currently attacking. So if you just travel to that area, uh, each one of those is a different uh, different piece of gameplay, a different different cue. We're calling them skirmishes. Um, so each one of those is a different skirmish. And you fly up to it, then you can... Uh, you can just you all you have to do is just be in that sector block and you can enter it and you want to play them as many times as possible there's no like cooldown on the Q, Q cooldown and if as you play them you can when you open up the the sector map you can see the the little UI showing you how much progress is made so at the top there's the progress and you have to finish X number of those the, so the whole the whole um, uh, uh, it's a sector-wide event so it's not that's not personal progress at the top that's progress for the entire for everybody, and that, and the more people that participate, you know, it changes based on, uh, based on participation, but you have to finish the, you know, each one of those three X number of times, and it fills up, but as you make, every time you play it, you make personal progress at the bottom, so you get rewards for playing those skirmishes, but you also get bonuses at the end, so you'll see your bonus meter will keep moving up. Once all three of those bars are filled, when you've done all three of those are completed, you'll cash out and you'll get a big chunk of bonus, so the more you participate, the more bonus you get. So you can just play once and leave, and then, and then when everyone else finishes, you'll get a tiny bonus. Obviously, you'll get the bonus for that skirmish. But if you stick around and keep playing, you'll keep you'll get a bigger bonus. And then once all three of those are complete, then the boss phase is available. And the boss phase is just dis- do that boss phase as many times as you can within the I think 15 minutes we give you to finish that off. And as you do the boss one, you also earn participation tokens. So you get a participation, participation bonuses. You get participation for, you get Rewards for doing a and each one of those boss skirmishes, and and every time you play it, you get you get a bonus multiplier. And so once the 15 minutes are up, depending on your participation, you'll get another bonus. You can earn a lot of rewards, marks, dilithium, whatever, um, based uh, based on your, uh, how much you participate. Uh, it's, so it's encouraging just to play it as much as as much as you can. Those um, and for those who are wondering, those skirmishes are also Dynamics. So if only two people show up for the skirmish, the size of the skirmish scales for the number of people. So five years from now, if nobody's playing this anymore and only like one guy comes in, he can complete the whole thing by himself. Oh, wow. So the whole thing is scaled. So it's scaled for it complete, It dynamically scales for the number of people that show up nice. at any given time. So it's never like, oh, it's too hard because there's not enough people on the shard because I live in Australia or something and, and everyone's asleep. Um, or it's been a year and everyone's now moved on to the next greatest thing and there's only a couple people here. No, it'll scale. It'll scale down. It scales up and scales down based on participation. Yeah, I've
3: noticed that they're, uh, they've been pretty popular. Every time I'm in uh, the Gamma Quadrant, it's there, those bars are filling up real quick and it's nice to see that there's a lot of people participating
4: in them. Yeah, and they're fast. They're like five minutes each. It's five-minute skirmishes, so you can get in, just play something five minutes. Some of them are more com- some are simple, and some are more complicated than others. Um, so they're there, you can just kind of pick the ones you want. If you want to just play the simple one, you can get a lot of participation bonuses just for playing that one. Um, if you like the more advanced, harder ones, and um, then you can play those and get. And but everyone plays the same five minutes, so the same same bonus either way.
3: I have played the new PVE queue, the Swarm, uh, several times. Yeah, I, r- I really like that one too. Yeah, I that like is fun. Uh, yeah. The way that one laid, the, w- the way that one's laid out, and the objectives and stuff.
4: Yeah, that was that was a fun one. That, that's a, that with the, th- the three different lanes, and you can go back. And, you know, you can see the lanes. Oh, that lane's being under attack, so we need to move over there. So that that one turned out um, turned out pretty good. That, that went through a few iterations that were like, oh, this isn't working, so and all of a sudden, just kind of came together. So. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying that one too.
1: I am in desperate need of upgrading all of my gear because even in the PVE missions, the storyline missions, um,
4: the Herc hurt, the Herc, the Herc can hurt. Yes, is yeah. um. So I'm sure it looks like the engineers were able to put in the debuff for your character for deep for anything deep space nine related. Specifically for your character. <laughs> oh, for my character. Yes, for, for your my character. personal yes. character. Just yes, for me. I got your that account. Would explain. And that it's would based explain on a lot. how much D Space Nine you play, is how difficult the game is. That explains <laughs> so much. So much. I thought I saw a little trolley face above my head. <laughs> I
1: thought I saw that.
4: Yeah, I mean they—they they, um, you know they have um, a sonic attack, which is which is you know an unconventional damage type. So you'll want to You'll want to address accordingly uh, when fighting them. But they have good tells, so you should be able to get out of the way. They're, they, they're, And I suggest lots of AoEs, since they have so they keep summoning so many of the Dranzuli attendants. So so A- AoEs are your friend, both in ground and space, when fighting the Herc.
3: Yeah, those little swarmers that come after you from the back are just nasty.
4: Yeah, they're not that hard. But they're they're nasty because there's so many of them. Yeah. But that's so you got to change your tactics. So if you get a ship with like eject warp plasma, uh, like an eject warp, you get like, I try to get a bunch of them as many of them I can to trail me, and then I'll drop a eject warp plasma, which will stall them all, and then you do like a torpedo spread, and we'll wipe out the entire thing. So I do. And th- they're
1: kamikazing on you, right? That's
4: pretty much no, how they. No, they're they, not. They don't no? kamikaze. Uh, they, they they just. They have little mining lasers. They're, one of the things we wanted to do about the Herc is the Herc don't eat... They don't, you know, they, they, they'll kill, but they don't... We didn't want to turn it into a horror show where they're eating people alive or anything. But they <laughs> they, they interest. They eat inorganic. They eat stone and metal. So they're, just, they're eating your hull. And so they shoot a little mining laser out. And so, like, six of them will trail behind you, and they're just constantly... Just, just shooting you at very, very close range. So, you know, ah. so, so you've got to do stuff that shoots backwards. So the Ferengi ship has actually two uh, rear-facing weapons, I believe, at least, or one of them. And so, like they've got that uh, that cone, that little uh, uh, confuse attack that shoots backwards, and they'll cause them to start shooting each other. Um, or the, uh, like I said, jerk-work plasma or um, shockwave. You know, uh, the or the. Um, Point defense systems, anything that's short ranged AOE's, really effective against them. Um, so you just change your build. Um, if you're a escort with all front-facing weapons, and uh, you are probably fare a lot worse than if you are something that's dealing with a lot of um, a lot of things that will snare, you know, slow or or. Uh, or, or rear-facing AOE's, uh, mines work really well against them too, and something that we don't see a lot of in the game is mines. So, um, so mines are very effective. And because they're all close to each other, they will warp core explosion across, across each other. it blows up, right. it can chain react. So, uh, yeah, it's just a matter of changing tactics on the ground too. You want to do lots of lots of AOE's. Sniper rifles are probably not the best thing when fighting, fighting the Herc on the ground.
1: Well, Al. Thank you so very much for spending so much time with us. We are just under 2 hours, which is disappointing because I was I was aiming for 3. It's been a while since we've had you on for 3 full hours. But that's okay. That's okay. We it, it just means that you have to come back.
4: Um I'm sorry I wasn't able to pull off 3 hours for you today. But if you'd like we we could keep going. We we could we could, we could keep chatting for another hour. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so thank you so very much for spending so much time with us on on this Saturday and for going so deep into X4 what it took to produce um, what excited you and your team and what excited us as players about it it's it's an excellent expansion I'm looking forward to completing it this weekend um, and playing all of that content and finally upgrading my gear Um, I know I have Winters and Anthony to help me so I'm looking forward to that
4: I'm counting on you both, Winters and Anthony. You got it. You got it. Right, excellent. No, thank you very much for having me. I've been I've been antsy and so giddy to talk about this for a long time. Um, it's just because I've been having to keep my mouth shut for uh, a year or two at this point. So uh, I'm so excited that, that everyone finally gets to experience this and now I can finally start talking about it. So thanks for giving me that opportunity.
1: Always. Anytime. Well, Captains, it's time to open Hailing Frequencies and see what's incoming.
0: Message coming in, sir. Hailing Frequencies. Open. See? We are getting to know each other.
1: Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open Hailing Frequencies for your incoming messages.
0: Episode 369's first community question was, What character do you think is being revived by Glenn Hetrick and Neville Page for Season 2 of Discovery? And if you're not sure... Who would you like to see?
3: From Patreon, Shane Hoover says, after the Page Hettrick news, I watched the promotional videos for season 2 again, but I don't see much new. I have a feeling they're talking about bringing a known species to the screen. In the video, you can see what's probably a Saurian. Maybe that's it.
1: From priority1podcast.com, Joshua Selig writes in, in regards to the characters being revived, I am not sure, but I would like to see Gary7, I think he was in Assignment Earth, and Akarin, Requiem for Methuselah, perhaps making a pass at Holberg917-G, and or referencing a plan to visit a world called XO3. Um, this is all TOS. I have no idea what he's talking about.
3: You don't know who Gary Seven is?
1: I know Gary Seven. I, go, I know Gary Seven.
3: I know of Gary Seven. That's a great episode, by the way. It's so, like, un-Star Trek, like that episode. It was also a backdoor to a pilot that never, to a show that never actually became.
0: From Facebook, Ron Kinney says, I'm guessing it'll have to be someone from Section 31, so I'm guessing it will be Malcolm Reed.
2: Uh, that's too far ahead in the timeline, isn't it? Mm, it's about 100 years. Yeah. It's like, actually...
3: He, he was in his 30s. That's a little bit much, I think. Although McCoy was, McCoy was 147 when he appeared on the first episode of TNG.
1: I hope that Discovery does what Star Trek Online does, which is take these little loose threads that were introduced throughout TOS and TNG and, and find a way to answer them.
3: From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Tyler Maxwell says, I'm going with... Rubberhead Gorn guy and not a CGI one like on Enterprise or in Stowe, which looks great, but I digress. But a dude dressed up as a lizard with an obvious rubber head. It's what everyone really wants, right? Right? Waits for the foam boulders to fly.
1: No, Tyler, you're not getting you're not getting foam boulders. You're getting a rudimentary lathe. <laughs>
0: I support this idea of the rubberhead uh, dude dressed up as a lizard gorn. I I support this. You know, it was. Um, do you remember back to the Orville when they had the episode with Alara living in her nightmares and there was the clown on board the Orville? And you're like, uh-huh. why is there a clown? It makes no sense. But it was. But also, it made perfect sense for that episode. I would love to see just uh, somebody in Discovery who's. Uh, there are probably. People that dress up like, you know, maybe they dress up like Gorn. There could be a whole subplot with, like, Gorn cultural appropriation.
3: So my theory for who is returning, I I actually think that everybody's kind of overthinking it. And I thought about this in between the last episode and this episode. I think it's the crew member that has that uh, screen and, like, that helmet. And I think that because they mentioned something about that a, a week or two before that video, that that was an interesting crew member that a lot of people wanted to know more about, and I have a feeling that that's who they're referring to because I, I don't think they ever said it's somebody being revived. I think it's I think it's a character that we've seen that we know nothing about and that everybody has been wanting to know more about, and that's who I think it is.
1: Yeah, but at one point he get he gets asked what character would they want to bring back, right? And so
3: he he like joked about the Breen. I think the wording. I think the 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 wording that's actually used is is featured i don't think it's it's ever like brought back i think it's like showcased or featured and everybody's assuming that it's that when he says look at the season two promotional material everybody thinks it's somebody that we haven't seen on the show yet at all and i actually think it is somebody that we've seen little bits of that everybody wants to know more about
0: interesting concept episode 369's second community question was what are your first thoughts of expansion for victory as life in star trek online
3: From Patreon, James Golding says, Victory is life is really good so far. Story is cool. Love how you get thrown into the deep end straight away. I was also very excited to hear Weyoon's voice. Not got that far for Kira yet, but very excited to hear my favorite XO returning.
1: I mean, we talked a little bit about this with Hour of Error and how immersive you are in deep space 9. And we've had deep space 9 episodes before, right? We've had the the Jem'Hadar returning for the 2800 and we've been on deep space 9, and we saw a revamp of Bajor the or not revamp but the introduction of Bajor um, years ago. And yet, this has become the most immersive experience in in Star Trek storytelling. That I've ever had in Star Trek Online.
2: I think with, uh, it's basically what you're saying, Um, with so many actors there with you, and it's not just the mission brief, it's they're actually with you throughout the entire mission, and sometimes more than one. It's just, it's very, very immersive, and it has really, really added to it. It's fantastic.
0: From Patreon, Shane Hoover says, My first thoughts of X4? Sweet Christmas, it's amazing. There's something intensely immersive about having so many DS9 actors voicing their characters for the game. Plus, the content quality from missions to artwork to game mechanics are the best they've achieved in as long as I've been playing.
1: From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Joshua Selig writes in, I think this expansion has been the best yet since Legacy of Romulus, as considering that expansion had the ability to play from the very start at Varonet Colony to end game. Now, it was a little bit confusing as to why they had to start Hadar at level 60. I can understand, considering the amount of work that would have had to have been done to create a Dominion faction from the start, and then interweave it into the existing storyline. It probably would have been a little much.
0: So I think that part of the reason they did level 60, this is just me completely guessing Uh, partially was because of uh, the work involved but also you know this is a really good mechanic for testing a new way to play a new faction. This is something that we haven't seen in Star Trek Online before, and so I was really, really pleased to see that they did this. Uh, I haven't played it yet in the new faction, so I don't know if, whether I think that's been effective. However, it's really key for uh, particularly an aging piece of software like this to keep trying new methods of modernizing you know, how to play the game. And so, strictly speaking, from just a game production standpoint, adding you in at level 60 was a really important step forward.
3: I think that they also, because of the way that Jem'Hadar work canonically in Star Trek, it gave them the opportunity to do that with this faction. And I think that it's the only faction that it would make sense doing it with.
1: Right. And every MMO in its longevity does something like this, right? Uh, even World of Warcraft, there was a point where you could come into the game at level 60 and play the game. So this is not unheard of. This is the best way that they can inject a new player into the game at level 60 without alienating them.
0: From Facebook, Johnny Horrocks says, not completed victory yet, but it seems to be maybe some of the best story we've had in the game so far. Outstanding.
1: Well, that wraps up episode 370 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. For more great podcasts like Mission Log, Women at Warp, and The Trek Files. Visit podcasts.roddenberry.com.
3: Before we go, here's a reminder of our community question this week. <whistles> what changes, if any, do you hope are made to After Trek? Captains,
1: you know we love hearing from you. So leave us a comment on our website at priority On our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one podcast. Or tweet us at Priority One Pod.
0: Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday by pointing your favorite podcast app to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. You can even join in on the fun while we record our episodes live on Tuesday nights at around 11 p.m. Eastern on Facebook. Keep an eye on our social media channels for details.
2: And if that wasn't enough, you can join us in Star Trek Online in the Priority One Armada. If you're interested, just head over to PriorityOneArmada.com and sign up today. And don't forget that every Saturday night, the Armada takes to our Twitch channel where we review the latest Star Trek Online and Armada news, as well as highlighting some of the amazing members in our community. Each week, we team up with you, the viewers, and earn things like reputation marks and dilithium. With regular giveaways, there's something for all STO players, new and old. Follow us on twitch.tv forward slash priority one.
0: This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, please help spread the word about the show and invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going.
3: Don't forget to tune into Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. A very special thanks to Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al,
1: Captain Gecko Rivera, for joining us on this episode of Priority One Podcast. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Midnight Shadow 7 of Hollow Sweet Media. Speaking of Jake, a very special thanks to him. As producer, he assists in the weekly production of this show, including our social media endeavors and writing some of our segments. Thanks to our graphic artist and web designer, Henry Pomper. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. Thanks to Patreon associate producers, Navy Boats Lou and Jim DeVico. But, Captains, most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community. And our listeners Because without your ongoing support And we mean this from the bottom of our hearts None of this Would be possible
0: Enemy ship on sensors
2: Red alert, shields up, ready weapons
0: Engage Engage. Not happening today, eliza Make it better. <laughs> <laughs> she turns to me. Make it better. Make the <laughs> bad man stop.
1: <laughs> she turns to me as if though I'm like, it's all better, Kenneth.
0: That works. Thanks. Better. Here, what you need is a hyphen.
3: Yes. Thank you.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> I am here for all of your punctuation needs.
1: So I noticed this. I noticed this. I'm gonna diverge here a second. I noticed this last week when I was. Is that your knee? My knee
2: looks like your knee is sticking up. (laughs) On your no, it's my freaking hair. All right. (laughs) What? (laughs) It's weird. I was like. No, seriously, kinda. I thought he had his leg up as well. I was like, what's with the porn circles? <laughs> what are
0: you doing, Elijah? You're on camera.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> what changes, if any, do you hope are made to After Trek?
1: Elijah becomes the host.
3: This is Anthony, Elijah's A Patak Sync 3. <laughs> this is Winter's
2: feedback. Tony is actually getting fired, sync four. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he just. (laughs) Oh, man. That had to hurt.
3: That had to hurt. Yo, he just ignored tequila. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm.
0: I mean, just like, is that okay? Is that all right right if I say it? Cannot,
1: cannot, cannot. I I, I hate to tell you, but it's you who's been fired.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. From Patreon, (laughs) Shane Hoover says. (laughs) No. Let's try all that again. That'll put hair on your chest. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network.